welcome to Horror Through Her Eyes. You've got the Taminator and the Amateur Destroyer here, ready to explore the twisted world of horror and prove that girls enjoy horror just as much as the guys do. Hello, Jessica. It's so good to see your face. Hi, Tammy. It's good to see your face, too. I miss it. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. We took a Christmas vacation from each other. so We did. We took a little bit of a vacation. We were also going to record. We were going to guest on somebody else's podcast. And so we figured, you know what, we'll take this week off so we can just prepare for that podcast. And then, unfortunately, one of the co-hosts got the COVID, so we're having to reschedule. Um such a bummer. It is a total bummer. Everybody's sick. Yeah. But me, I know. But me. I, I think that I might be sick, but I can't tell. I feel like kind of sick, but it's like, I don't know. I'm not full on sick, so it's really hard for me to figure it out. Um, um, don't, say, don't say anything. Don't curse yourself. I know. Right? Um, but yeah, so we're still going to end up doing that. Um, but yeah, we had taken a break kind of for that reason so we could focus on that and then it ended up not happening. So I will probably, I know we're, you know, a day behind on our podcast, um, but I'll probably just get this out like tonight or tomorrow, to be honest, so that oh, we're only ambitious. like, then we're only, you know, we're just yeah. like a day or two behind. That's not no biggie. Didn't lose a bunch of time. So, but yeah, so that's what we've been up to. <laughs> Outside of that, how have you been? How was your little break? It was good. I mean, I just worked and worked and worked. I did Christmas with my boys like on the 23rd and then I, you know, I work in healthcare and that never takes a break. So I usually will volunteer to do the Christmas and the New Year and the Christmas Eve so that everybody else can have time off with their families because, you know, my boys both have their dad's houses to go to and stuff like that. So, yeah. How about you? Yeah. Well, my work, it's like the worst at the end of the year. So I work in finances. And so yeah. something that we have to consider is um, people who are of a certain age that need to take the required minimum distributions. And sometimes getting people to take care of that is like pulling teeth. And it's like you're going to be penalized and have to pay a bunch of money if you don't just do it. So just do it. And it becomes such a huge pain at the end of the year for people who haven't taken care of it yet. So, um it's so kind of the same busy. for health care, too, because, like, everybody has, wants to get all their stuff done before the end oh, of the year. Insurance. So, yeah. like, that last week, it's like, holy cow. <laughs> then it'll kind of slow down a little bit, although it hasn't, which is good for my paycheck. But, yeah, yeah. mine has slowed down a little bit um, in this first week, which I'm very grateful for. <laughs> so I can kind of get get my bearings again. And I admit I'm one of those people where I was all of a sudden I was like, oh, I need to get my teeth cleaning done before the end of the year. I went and got my eyes checked so I can get new glasses before the end of the year. I got it. I didn't make that cut off. But, man, I was just noticing lately, like, Tammy, you need to go get new glasses. Like, stop yeah. running around and just go get them. So. Yes. And I'm very relieved to hear because it's actually been like four years or something since I've got my eyes checked. And so I thought that my vision had gotten worse. And the doctor said that actually lenses just they don't really last for very long, like as far as the quality when it comes to the, you know, actual vision. And she's like, yeah, it's just been a long time. So the lenses probably are just like deteriorating and not Aww. as good because she said my vision was still like pretty much the same from oh, four I years ago. I didn't even ago. know that was a thing. That's awesome, though. Cause... Yeah, I didn't know either, but I guess it makes sense. Yeah. You know, and there's like... A of course, you always get little tiny scratches and nicks and stuff that 
hate them, but I'm really excited to get new glasses soon. I am blind. So me too. Me too. But yeah, other than that, you want to jump into this fun episode where we're going to discuss 1985's phenomena. Yes. Fun. Fun. Come on. Fun. If nothing else. Okay. Well, we have other stuff that maybe you'll have fun with before we get to a review, starting with our haunting headlines. So for haunting headlines, just a couple of personal headlines for our podcast. Like I had mentioned, we're going to be joining a Lonely and Projectile Varmint over on their podcast, the Nobody's Horror Podcast, and we're discussing motherhood and horror. So we're super excited about this yeah. collaboration, and um, that will be released on their feed. So we're just going to redirect everyone over to their podcast to listen to that episode as soon as we get to record it and release it. Um, but we're going to be covering different terrifying aspects of motherhood. And we watched a whole list of movies. Um, and I've thought of some other movies having to do with motherhood that I want to bring up. So I think that's going to be really fun. Three of us are mothers and then Lonely is not a mother. So I think it'll be really interesting to get her perspective on these movies as well. Um, so I'm excited. They're two very like-minded women to us. Um, and they actually started their podcast just before we started ours, our thing, our, ours, I think. So um, it's kind of fun too. We're kind of like little podcasting soulmates <laughs> that kind of came up with like similar, you know, like two empowering women well, talking we, about we, horror. We noticed a gap that needed to be filled at the same time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is, um, I mean, I think that's like a good sign, right? Is that like yes. people are taking it's notice. Affirming. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. We're on the right track, and we're not crazy for thinking. Well, you know, there's not enough. Women representation in in horror, so we're definitely not crazy for thinking that. That's for sure. Yes, so that'll be fun. Um, And then also, we're going to be recording our best of 2023 episode over on the horror cast soon, Um, and we're going to be listing our top 23 movies of the year. So go check that out when it releases. We're going to be recording that in about a week, I think, Um, and then hopefully it'll be released within like a month of that. So I don't think we're going to do a top list on this podcast because we're already doing that and that'll just be repetitive. So maybe we'll do something different, like where we come up with something fun, like, I don't know, like our favorite um, movies that were unexpectedly good or our favorite movies that people aren't talking about or something like that, something a lot shorter and just kind of fun, but like different from what we're doing over there so that we're not just repeating ourselves. Um So that's our little bit of news. And uh, just to get into some basic news, we got everything from Bloody Disgusting like we normally do. Uh, And I wanted to bring up that the original Salem's Lot star, David Soul, uh, who's Ben Mears, the vampire hunter in Salem's Lot, and he's also Hutch, of course, from uh, Starsky and Hutch, has passed away at the age of 80. I didn't know that until I just saw that here. That is... 
Yeah. Yeah. What a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, he, his wife didn't say, uh, how he died. So that information hasn't been released, but she did say that he, you know, fought for his life and that he was surrounded by family. Um, and I did want to note, you know, we know that he did get arrested for an incident of domestic abuse, um, of his ex-wife in the eighties, um, after he had become a bit of an alcoholic. But since then he did complete a probationary diversion program and he did come out as saying he regretted what he did. Um, he became an advocate who spoke out against domestic violence following that incident and went to prisons where he talked about that. Um, so I just want to bring up, we know, um, and it sounds like he, you know, hopefully reformed after that. So, um, um can I just, can I just throw in, I have to give him props for that. I mean, that's a very, that's a subject very near and dear to me. I've been pretty honest about it on the horror cast. Um, I think just the fact that he admitted what he did and then tried to atone for it, that means a lot to me because I feel like a lot of them, like my abuser has still never even admitted what he did. It's always been my fault. Um, mm-hmm. He's still, you know, 10, 10 years later, he sticks to that story. So I think it just, I think it takes a lot to admit what you did and be sorry for it, um, alcoholic or not, you know, I just, that means yeah. a lot to me that he did that. So that's cool. That is cool. And you're totally right. And it's not like we expect everybody to be a perfect human being or anything, right? It's just that no. hopefully you, you learn from your mistakes and you work towards becoming a better person and kind of making up for the things that you did yep. and so on and so forth. And it sounds like that he had done that. Um, I didn't know this. He was actually also a singer. And for a while, I think he was pretty well known as a singer. And that was kind of his first passion. Um, but he just got bigger um, as an actor. So he just kind of ended up leaning into that. But it sounds like he was super into singing above all out uh, above all else. So I just wanted to bring that up as an aspect of his career. So R.I.P. to Mr. David Soul. All right. Moving on. <laughs> You know what? He was probably trying to hold out for the remake and just gave up. Oh, you think so? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like uh, the Exorcist. My bad. But the, yeah. <laughs> we make very distasteful comments yeah. on this podcast <laughs> when it comes to remakes. <laughs> uh, in conjunction with people dying. So yeah. just a heads up. <laughs> All right, next bit of news. Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey 2 will be coming out later this year. Now, hear me out. Matt Leslie of Summer of 84 wrote the, sc- the screenplay for this slasher sequel. And I love that movie. I do, too. So I'm hoping. And to be honest, I did not hate the first one. It definitely wasn't amazing. But there were aspects of it that were, like, much better than I thought it was going to be when it came out. When I heard they were doing a Winnie the Pooh, I'm like, okay, that's going to be complete garbage. And I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> um, but some of it was done really well. So, well, I can't, I guess I can't shit on it because I did not see it. And I oh, did also see, see I guess, uh, Disney just lost its rights to Mickey Mouse. So they're making a Mickey Mouse one now, too. I do have that on here as well. Oh, sorry. Um, no, that's fine. You're, no, you're right. Cause those kind of go to together. It's, um, specifically Mickey Mouse from Steamboat Willie entered mm-hmm. the public domain on January 1st of this year. And so there are a handful of Mickey Mouse themed horror projects that have already been announced. Um, one thing I did read, though, was that 
for this project, it's likely that Disney's going to fight tooth and nail to like not allow that to happen. Whereas with Winnie the Pooh, it like came from a book first and it would have entailed a whole lot of other legalities that they didn't really care to get into, you know, so they just kind of let it go. But Mickey Mouse is like the icon of Disney. So I doubt people are going to want to pay as much as they're going to need to to fight Disney to be able to make a project based on Mickey Mouse. But we'll see. Um But uh, a representative for Disney said in a statement over the weekend that more modern versions of Mickey will remain unaffected by the expiration of the Steamboat Willie copyright. And Mickey will continue to play a leading role as a global ambassador for the Walt Disney Company in their storytelling, theme park attractions and merchandise. Uh, We will, of course, continue to protect our rights in the more modern versions of Mickey Mouse and other works that remain subject to copyright. And we will work to safeguard against consumer confusion caused by unauthorized uses of Mickey and our other iconic characters. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens with those. I would I would kind of love to see like a horror version of especially Steamboat uh, Mickey Mouse. So I don't know where I saw it. It might have been on YouTube, but there's got to be something already in production because I saw like a clip. And there it was, is. yeah, um, so, and it was definitely the Steamboat Willie look to yeah. Mickey. Man, I, I don't know, Disney's scaring me a little bit. They're just, they're becoming like, they just got, to me, just too they're in too control big. of things. Yeah, they're too, they're too, like, they just took over my Doctor Who, and mm-hmm. um, it's now going to be, you know, released totally through them. And I can, and I, you know, we've had the first couple of episodes that I can already see a total difference in budget, but kind of what I think was so dear about Doctor Who was how corny it was and how cheesy the effects were and how silly the monsters looked and everything. And now it's already like got a kind of a polish to it and they've turned it into the Hooniverse and they're doing like spinoffs like Marvel. And I don't know, Uh, it just feels like... Some machine. Yeah, just exactly like I feel like they're seeing how they can make money with it rather than like... What can we do to like please our fan, you know, please the fans? Yeah. I just feel like it's gonna, I'll always love it, you know. I mean, and it is like the longest running TV show of all time, and that's great, but I just feel like, you know, I feel like just don't change things that don't need to be changed. And I just feel like Disney's name just seems to be behind everything now. And yeah, it I don't, is scary. And I don't like and I don't want a sanitized version, family-friendly yeah, version of every limiting. single thing. I, exactly. Yeah. Have a sense of humor. Let us let us horror people have the old Mickey Mouse because, A, you're not going to use them anymore, and, B, you don't even have your hands in horror yet. Um, I don't know. I just well, – I just And just, like, having different perspectives and different kinds of storytelling, like – makes things more interesting Mm -hmm. you know what I mean if it's all coming from the same place it's all going to feel the same and it's just boring I don't know how to I don't know exactly how to explain it but when I was watching the new Doctor Who I could tell it was from Disney and I can't say oh is that exactly because it just has a look to it and I just feel like I don't know it's very cookie cutter and I and some of their stuff is is great um, I'm not like dissing them. I just feel like they need to chill a little bit. You know what I mean? Like totally. I'm just kind of he- sick of hearing their name behind every single thing. And I hope they never do get their mitts into the horror world. I hope like maybe right. one is me haunted mansion is as far as they'll go. I don't know. <laughs> right. but, 
Yeah. Uh, it's just a very sanitized, whitewashed. Yeah. yeah. Not a whole lot of representation there. Just, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. So, okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, you're fine. <laughs> but yeah, so that is a strange bit of news that I'm interested in seeing where that goes eventually. Um, let's see. Oh, the only other thing I have on here I thought was interesting is that 50 years after the release of horror classic Jaws, star Richard Dreyfus is headed back into shark-infested waters in the upcoming Into the Deep, the daily Jaws reports this week that scout Taylor Compton stars alongside Dreyfus in the film. Uh, the director is Christian Sesma, who did Section 8, um, and he says it's about a group of divers searching for a sunken treasure who witness the murder of drug dealers by modern-day pirates. But a killer great white is determined not to let any of them escape its waters. I love shark movies. So I'm yeah, really excited. I do too. I do and obviously too. Richard Dreyfus and Scout Taylor Compton um, make me even more excited. So I know there's like a bunch of movies that are being released and stuff, but that's only one. <laughs> Thought to write down because, yeah, shark movies. Yeah, we I need love more. shark movies. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. I know that 90% of them are bad, you know, but I will always give them a shot and hope for the best for some reason. No, I'm the same. And I know Landon will want to see it, you know, so yeah, we'll be there. It's more of a, I know it sounds like it could be kind of action, like mm-hmm. maybe action, which I love action movies anyway, so I don't care. Yeah, but. I love action horror combined too, which mm-hmm. isn't something I ever really realized until I heard, which podcast was I? I was hearing someone cover that theme specifically of action horror movies. And I was like, oh, man, I love action horror movies, <laughs> apparently, because it was like every single one they listed. I was like, oh, yeah, super my jam. So, super you know. my jam. <laughs> well, a lot of them also have like crews, you know, and I always love crews. That is very true. They do. Yeah. yeah. And that's just like something that I typically enjoy in movies in general. So it makes sense. Um, so, yeah, that's it for our haunting headlines. Uh, Miss Tammy Taminator, can you take us into our Fright Bites, please? Sure. So I've only got two things that I'm going to bring up. Um, the first one is I watched a sacrifice game on Shudder. Did you watch it? Mm-mm. So um, little synopsis. It's bad enough that boarding school students, Spanth and Clara, can't go home for the holidays. But things take a deadly turn when a murderous gang arrives on their doorstep just in time for Christmas. So I thought that looked really good. Um, I love the boarding school setting, the girls school. <sighs> Like phenomena? So you love phenomena? Anyway, so here's the problem. <laughs> First of all, I was like crushing super hard on this Chloe Levine who is like, who played Rose, who was like the star teacher. Okay. So uh, they're doing like, it's kind of, it takes place in the 70s and it's definitely got like a Charles Manson gang kind of a twist to it. I don't want, it's, it's pretty new, so I don't want to give too much away. I think I would have really liked it had the acting been not so incredibly bad in oh. here. And unfortunately, there's one. Okay, so there's two girls that, like, 
kind of like um, Black Hope's daughter. They don't get to, for whatever reason, their families don't come and get them. So they're stuck at this boarding school over Christmas break. So their teacher, Rose, stays behind with them. And this Charles Manson type gang shows up who've been like going around slaughtering people in their home, painting things on the wall with blood, you know, which is obviously where they got that from. Right. But the girl, so the two girls, Madison Baines, who plays Samantha, and Georgia Atkin, who plays Clara, are the two girls that are stuck. Madison Baines was actually quite decent. I liked her. Unfortunately, Clara, Georgia Atkin, kind of becomes the main star of the show. And I don't like to diss on kids. And I don't know. She's not. She looks like she may be like 13 or 14. Honestly, the acting was so bad that it kept me from enjoying, enjoying any part of the movie that might have otherwise been enjoyable. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's a real bummer because I it's a good story. It does have a uh, I liked the ending. It's not conventional. It's not what you think. It does turn kind of into um, an antichrist slash devil story, which I liked. But unfortunately, it, it, the, the bad acting just took me out of it. And the order in which the people are killed, the people that you're kind of left with, like, aren't the people yeah. that you want to be left It's There's just <laughs> nothing to carry me through, like, the second half of the movie. And unfortunately, you know, like I said, the, the girl kind of becomes the main star of it. And you just get a whole lot of her. And it was just made my skin crawl. It was so bad. So, yeah. unfortunately, I would say you have to skip that one. Okay. And then... I also watched, so for the other podcast that we, that we're going to guest on about the motherhood, I watched Clock, which I think I messaged you that, oh, I'm kind of liking this. Well, halfway through that changed. It's kind of like, I mean, I don't know what you thought about it. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to be able to sneak in one more decent 2023 movie before the end of the year. (laughs) Like, like, we have this pressure. I've got to make this 23 best movies list in the next week. And I'm not even sure I've seen 23 movies this year that are new. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, yay. I can keep going. About halfway through, it totally went off the rails for me. And just, yeah, I ended up, it kind of like went from about an eight to about a five. I didn't like it. I didn't love it, but I think I was telling you there were certain aspects of the story that I really appreciated. Kind of like there's the family um, background and and how that played into like, yes. And I bet you'll start to see more of that now. It just, it seems like enough time that the idea of the Holocaust does not get brought up that much, but there's, I think, a whole genre of horror that I think you might see starting to, like, happen. This is the first time I've, like, seen it really handled in this way. Although yeah. the message, I did love the overall, absolutely love the overall message of the movie that mm-hmm. I am normal like I am. No matter how you are, whether you want kids, you don't want kids, whatever it is about you, people need to... You start realizing like that is what's normal. It's not what society wants from you. And and I think definitely things are starting to change in that way. Yeah. But you know, had she just stayed true to that message, things would have or to that you know the way that she felt, things would have gone differently for her. But that wasn't. Mm-hmm. I did love that part. That wasn't even what took me out of it. It's just like ultimately, I didn't think they gave us enough of an explanation of what was going on medically. I think yeah. that was kind of glossed over and yet it, it was so vital to the story and of course anything medical, medical horror, I love it. There was some really, I think it did do a good job of, of the horrors of childbirth and the horrors of um, just maternity in general, you know, I mean, they, there's some real footage of women having babies in it and having C-sections and stuff. And 
ouch, I've, you know, I've experienced that and it's hard to watch. So I think yeah. just, you know, the horror, we've talked about it um, with dead ringers, just that horror of, you know, going, what women go through with the gynecologist and stuff like that. So I thought that it started out like that and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. And then it just, I just didn't like where it ended up, but it does have some good things about it. I will say that, like, I would still say watch it. It doesn't need to be the highest on everyone's list, but um, I it's definitely better than the other one that I brought up. So, but yeah, that's the, I, I was going to go see Night Swim by myself, but then Landon said he wanted to go see it. So I'm going to go to that tomorrow. So that's all I got. How about you? Oh, you're going to that tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. I will say that I just got a message from Will, a.k.a. Armored Foe, that he went and saw Night Swim and he thinks that I'm above seeing it in the theater. He says I'm too advanced. <laughs> He said he went and saw it with some normies, you know, the normies appreciated it and he gave it a thumbs down. So (laughs) not to ruin it. I kind of still want to, because I just like to try and like support or in the theater, even if it's not good. So I will probably still go, but I'm going to go in with his warning on my mind. Well, this isn't great because this is my first 2024. This is my first of the year for 2024. I think it would be my first too. Yeah. Oh, great. So it's just a continuation of more of the same. You know what? It's a, it's a horror movie in the theater. I'm going with my kids. So it'll be a good experience no matter what. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, but it is another, like, PG-13 Blumhouse, you know, so. like Yes, I know. You never know. I mean, I think Megan was my first watch of last year. That's a PG-13 Blumhouse. And I actually ended up liking Megan more than I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to be really bad. Same. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is actually entertaining, at least. Like, if you're at least entertaining. I am bummed, though, because... um, Night Swim, at first, I had only seen that kind of teaser trailer mm-hmm. that kept playing over and over, and I was like, okay, this doesn't really give anything away. And then recently, I went to see something, and I thought it was just going to be that teaser trailer again, but it was that that newer, like, full-length trailer that shows, like, everything. See, I have not seen <sighs> that. I've only seen the teaser trailer then. Aww. So frustrating. I hate that. I'm like, okay, so now I've seen the whole movie. Great. <laughs> I didn't, didn't know to avert my eyes and... Plug my ears, la, 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 la. So I'm annoyed. Um, you know what? You should go in the bathroom and have your family text you when it's over, <laughs> when the trailers are over. I should. I know. It's funny because I try to purposefully just, like, go kind of late, you know, so I just kind of miss the trailers for the most part. And then whenever I'm going with my family, they're like, we got to go and get there. I'm like, it's like 30 minutes of the trailers. I'm just going to be like this. You guys are going to be laughing at me. But yeah, so um, for my Fright Bites, I did actually get a couple of Christmas movies in um, after we had watched Black Christmas. So I watched It's a Wonderful Knife, um, which I was really excited about because it's obviously a play on It's a Wonderful Life. Um, And for me... I've been putting it off because I was afraid of that also. Yeah, it's like pretty cheesy and I don't know. I just thought it was really pretty bad. I watched it with one of my friends and her husband. Her husband like actually really enjoyed it. He thought it was really entertaining and funny. Her and I were pretty much like, eh, it was you just, terrible. You just said funny, so forget it. Yeah, 
It was kind of like gross. Although Justin Long is funny in it, like in a good way. Um, but um, Greg Kinnear's in it too, right? And I, I like him. Yes. Um, and the kills are good and stuff like that. Like they're different, but it's just like all the dialogue and the characters just are really hard. To so did get they through. get did they get wrong what Thanksgiving got right? Like, is it the same kind of a? Or is it more um like? humor it's definitely more more humor and like way cheesier and um oh uh, what's her name from ginger snaps is it Catherine isabel i don't know um i think that's her name but she's in it and so that was really exciting for me she's still really hot but um aside from that i was just like i like kind of nodded off and had oh, a lot wow. of it on my own <laughs> after i watched it with my friends you know i woke up ruling on their couch like oh you didn't notice it <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, i mean it's like well produced you know like it looks yeah. good whatever but it's just that's not enough for me so i personally did not love it like, it's not, like, the worst thing, but... Um, well, I'm not going to worry, then, about shoving it in for a 2023, It's if it's not. Like, I'll watch it someday. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. When you run out of other Christmas movies. <laughs> uh, one that I finally caught up uh, on, actually, was from uh, Host, with an S at the end, from 2020. Um, because I was like, I don't want to rewatch Christmas movies I've seen because I know I'm only getting a couple in. So I want to try and watch a couple that I haven't seen yet. And so I had missed this one a few years back. So I finally watched this one. Uh, and it's about a family that invites their neighbors over for Christmas dinner with disastrous consequences. I loved that movie. I thought it was so I good. really liked it. Yeah. Um, I, I was watching it while I was wrapping presents. So I wasn't paying full attention. So I think that I kind of missed some of the mythos uh, what, of what was actually happening. I'm not quite sure if I connected all of that, but I was still like pretty on the edge of my seat considering <laughs> I was wrapping presents, you know, like the scenes are pretty tense. Um, and there's like one scene in particular that was so brutal and unexpected that my mouth was open when it happened. I was like, especially because of where they had it happen, you know, where this mother is just like talking about how she's overcome cancer and it's just, it's crazy. I don't want to spoil it <laughs> for people who haven't seen it, but um, I'm definitely going to rewatch that at some point, you know, during the Christmas season in the future. So I was excited to get that watch in. Um, it, it was 2020. Was that was that the really good year for horror? Or was it 2021? I remember. I feel like 2020 those- was still good because I think there were still things that had already been made that were getting released. You know, yeah. Um, whereas in 2021, it was like during lockdown and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So. We just just that one year would just I think that's when like uh, Jake was a Jacob's wife. Was that the name of that movie? I'm just it's like all that good stuff came out at the end of the year. And there was so much good stuff to watch. And I love that movie. When the good old days. <laughs> Jacob's wife came out in 2021. So maybe you're thinking of 2020. It might be 2021. And that other one that Mark likes so much. I can't. Uh, the. Oh, I can't, don't, never mind. I'm not going to be able to think of it. But it was like a whole group of them, and that was one of them. No, that was 2020, but it just, I don't know, it's loop, linked together in my head. But I just remember just like it being the stretch of really great movies. Yeah. And, and then, then there's now. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I feel like I haven't watched enough 2023 movies to really say definitively if it's great or not. But I'll say that um, I don't have any movies currently that are ranking that high, like at the top of my list. So, like, I don't have any nines or tens or anything. So that's worrisome. (laughs) See, people, being a podcaster is so stressful. (laughs) It is. It really is. is. Our lives are so hard. Yes. Um, <laughs> and aside from those, I went and saw the new Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Um, and it's about when, like, the games were first created. And obviously that's not, like, full-on horror, but the concept is pretty horrifying. Yeah. Pitting, like, poor starving children against each other because of, like, politics yeah. uh, in a battle to the death. So, um so that was that was enjoyable. I went and saw that with Reina because we love the Hunger Games movies. We really do. So um so that was cool. I'm excited for the next ones that come out in that series. And then I also saw Poor Things, which is my actual favorite movie of 2023, even though it's not a horror movie. Um, and I'm only bringing it up because it is a Frankenstein movie, which it seems like this lot in 2023, we had like five Frankenstein movies or something come out, <laughs> like so many. And I think I enjoyed all of them. I can't remember yeah. any. I can't remember any movies I saw where I didn't like the outcome of what they did with that, that basic. You- would you um, classify Birth, Rebirth as a Frankenstein movie? Totally. Yeah, I would too. And I love that movie. Yeah, that was a good movie. Yeah, I actually just watched that one for the Our Motherhood episode mm-hmm. that we're going to do. I was like, well, I think this falls into that category from what I've heard. So I finally watched it and I was like, finally a good 2023 movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and I really like that. Oh, and I loved um like the medical explanation behind things, you know? I don't yeah. know if any of it's plausible, but it at least sounds like it is, which is all you really need to do, yeah. which I was thinking of when you're talking about clock, where it's like they really don't give you anything at all. Um but uh yeah, lots of Frankenstein stuff. I know there's going to be Lisa Frankenstein. I don't know if that's already out yet or if it's coming out. But I'm really excited to watch that. That's going to be kind of goofy, like comedy. So I don't know if you're going to be into it that much, but it looks really fun. Um, So I'm excited. Um, And then I started the animated Castlevania show on Netflix. Castlevania is uh, an old video game. So this is based on that. This old. Like, I used to play it when I was little on Intellivision. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I used to play the old one too, but I haven't played the newer one or anything. But um this actually came out in 2017 and I've been meaning I can't believe it's been that long already. I thought it came out like a couple of years ago and then I looked and I'm like, "Oh my god, it started 2017 because I've been hearing about it and I've been wanting to watch it." So I finally did uh started at least. And um it's about a vampire hunter who fights to save a besieged city from an army of otherworldly creatures controlled by Dracula. And it is brutal. I love watching animated shows. And this isn't like an anime from Japan. This is just an animated show that's very adult where they're like cussing and like babies are being torn apart by demons. And stuff. <laughs> it's like, yes. I'm just like laughing like a crazy person throughout the entire episode that I've seen so far. <laughs> it's just like, 
You're really enjoying this. I'm like, I just can't believe I'm watching this show that's animated where these things are being said and done. It's just funny. You know what I mean? Just because, yeah. like, honestly, when I was a kid, animated stuff like this didn't really – I mean, there was, like, Aeon Flux and stuff, but um, it just, like, kind of catches you off guard, I think, sometimes <laughs> when it's in the medium of animation. So, so far, I really like it. Well, like, what since the same as you, I've had it in my queue forever, and for whatever reason, I just have never watched it. But I think until Adult Swim came along, just the idea of like cartoons for adults was just such a like, you know, I think maybe like The Simpsons might have like sort of started to break that mold a little with being yeah. still just slightly edgy, right. going on to like, you know, then like Family Guy and like then just stuff that's like really just for adults like this. And mm-hmm. I don't, I love anything animated really. I just, I don't know. I just, I have cartoons on like all day while I'm working. Right now I'm working my way through 16. It's like 6-T-E-E-N, which is like four adults also, but it's about 16-year-olds. And I, it's freaking hilarious and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I'll, I'll get to it eventually too. I just, I don't know. I never think of it when I'm like, what should I watch? You know? yeah, yeah, I know. I always just forget about it. Um, and I think there are four seasons altogether, and I'm pretty sure that the show is done now. Um, so I'll report back as I go through the series. <laughs> After the first couple of episodes, I will say that I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, also, they just can do some really cool stuff with animation that you just can't do in live action you know so sure, it's like yeah. whenever they're animating all this cool stuff like Dracula's head like appearing to them in flames and stuff like that I'm like that looks so cool um so enjoying that and then my last uh bits of bites for Fright Bites is that I got three new Junji Ito books this uh, this past year, 2023, and I just read them all in a row recently. Uh, it was Ramina, which is about an unknown planet that emerges from inside a wormhole, and its discoverer, Dr. Aguro, christens the body Ramina after his own daughter. Uh, his finding is met with great fanfare, and Ramina herself rises to fame. However, the object picks up speed, and it moves along in its curious course, eliminating planets and stars one after another until finally Earth itself faces extinction. Is the girl Ramina the true cause of the catastrophe? A masterwork of horror from Junji Ito unfolding on a universal scale. Um, so that one is really fun. I mean, I love Jun. I haven't read anything from him that I don't like. So he's like horror manga um, if people aren't familiar, I know that he has his own Netflix show now too, based off of all of his stories. So, and they're all short stories. All of his, a lot of his books are like collections of stories. Um, so I just love them. I, I have like reread a bunch of them and I like getting new ones every once in a while. So that one was really good. Um, also Mimi's Tales of Terror, which is about a university student named Mimi and her boyfriend, Naoto. Who encounter one chilling mystery after another. There's the enigmatic neighbor woman dressed in black from head to toe. But if she's so odd, why does it seem like there are many others like her? There are many others. Okay. Then whose <laughs> eyes track Mimi's movements from the cemetery next door? And why does a bizarre red circle drawn on a basement wall change with each passing day? These are nine scary stories that really happened, drawn from the famed collection of urban legends, Shin Mimi Bukuro. 
um, who did new, new earmuffs and adapted into the manga by horror genius Junji Ito. So that's kind of fun, like Japanese urban legends. Um, so I enjoyed that. And then Soichi uh, is a story collection about a specific character that has come in and out of different books of his. And these all just like center around Soichi as a child. Um, and that one was really fun for me. He's a really creepy little bastard who spits nails out at people. Um, and <laughs> I just love that character. My daughter hates him. She's totally creeped out by him. And he's just like so mischievous. And he's always like doing curses and stuff and he's like messing with people with his own little voodoo dolls and um so this is like 10 different tales uh about soichi um and i enjoyed that one too so that is going to do it for my fright bite Echoes from the abyss. Listener comments. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it's Nicole. How did she say to say her last name now? I forget. It's the opposite of what we thought. So it's Trawick. I think I said Trawick. Yeah. I told her she's just Nicole, so I'm just gonna say Nicole. So, and she, uh, the first group here is from. They're commenting on our book. Our first book. Book. Nook episode, which was the lady from the Black Lagoon, who starred everyone's favorite, Revenant Vin. Um, Nicole says, so I'd never heard of this book or Millicent until it was brought up on the podcast. I found the book on Hoopla, so did I, and read it. And I felt really bad about not liking it more until I heard you three talking about it. And by the way, yay for Vin joining this episode. That was a fun treat. He is always a treat. He's always a treat. I he, was, he was very helpful, too. He was, yeah. <laughs> um, sorry we couldn't get him on camera, ladies. He's like the elusive, you know. Um, I feel similar. Yeah, you're missing out. You are. You are. <laughs> I feel similarly to you guys. I consider myself a feminist and probably more leftist than liberal, but Mallory's rants were even too much for me by the end. Not to say that I disagree with everything she said. She brought up some valid points at times, and yes, there was and is sexism in the film industry, but she was so angry, yes, and made everything about misogyny. Every man in the industry is bad, etc. Exactly what I said. But halfway through, I was wondering if she had an agenda writing this book. I'm sure she's interested in Millicent and her life. Oops, sorry. But it felt like she was using her as an excuse to rage against men. I completely agree. And perhaps talk about her own issues and hardships. And that's why I wasn't too interested in the parts that were more about her and her journey. Does she have a story to tell? Absolutely. But this book was the place to air her own grievances. But I did enjoy the part about Millicent and her life. It was fascinating. I hope you do more book nooks. I think it was Jessica who brought up Neil Gaiman on a previous episode. And I'd be all for one of his books. He's one of my favorite authors. I met him once and he's an amazing man. Oh, that's very cool. Humble and sweet on top of being an incredible storyteller. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. Thank and you. I will, I will interject really quick because her and I ended up doing a little back and forth on Facebook about this. And I told her I will definitely force you to read a Neil Gaiman book with me uh, for a book nook because he's like our family favorite author. 
And it was cute because she posted pictures of her and her kid meeting him at a book signing. And we all met him at a book signing, too, but, like, in a different year. Um, so we're, like, sharing our pictures of our daughters meeting Neil Gaiman. It's really cute. So if anyone's interested, join our Facebook group, and you can see cute pictures of kids getting their books signed by Neil Gaiman. <laughs> okay. Why well, I, I feel like – name a couple of his books for me. I feel like I've read one. Yes. Um, he did American Gods, which uh, they made a show after. Right. He did no. the Sandman series, like the Sandman no. comic series. There's also a show after. Yes. <laughs> he did Stardust, um, which there's a movie after with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, he actually has worked on um, Doctor Who episodes before. Um, I don't know which one specifically, but I know he was really excited when he worked on those. Um, what are some other books? There's the Graveyard book, uh, which would be a good one for our book Nook, because all this stuff is kind of like dark fantasy, but some of it is like more dark, you know, and that mm-hmm. would be one of them. Oh, he did Coraline. <laughs> he wrote Coraline, the book. Um, so that might be where you're thinking of him from. Um, and that was, I read that when I was a little kid, Coraline. Um, and then that was my daughter's favorite book when she was really little too. So it was like, um, he's written a bunch of crap. Uh, Ocean at the End of the Lane is another great book. Well, all right, pick whatever you think is the best one and we'll do that next. Okay. I think, well, we're doing your book next. The one that I got for Christmas. Okay. I better read it then, huh? Yeah, I haven't started it yet either. Okay. <laughs> Behind the scenes for everybody. Yeah. I figured I figured we could start reading it sometime this month and then do an episode on it in like two months or something. Sounds good. Okay, cool. But then after right. that, yeah, I'll do it. All right, well then all right, next we'll do Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised I mean he's definitely up my alley. I'm you know me though. I read the same ten books over and over again. So <laughs> you do? Yeah. You do that with books too? Yeah. You're so did, funny. Did you ever um did you ever read Summer of Night? Uh-uh. All right. Put that on our list too. You say All summer right. of night or summer? Summer. 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 Okay. Yeah. I will do that. Right. Um but yeah. Sorry. Done interjecting no, now. You can no. get back to our echoes. <laughs> and I'd, I'd say for like the book nook, we're definitely open to suggestions for what people want to hear, you know. Like it's for you guys, so we're definitely open to suggestions. Um, moving on to Black Christmas, greatest movie, one of the greatest movies ever made. Uh, Christine Lynn says, I enjoyed this one as I just rewatched it a few weeks ago. I'm team killer is not the boyfriend. <laughs> I, know. I know, I know, I'm alone. Because of how it ends with the phone ringing and the bodies yet discovered, but Terminator made a stronger argument than I expected for the other scenario. Thank you, Christy. I agree with that. It'd be supportive. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Oh, our buddy Dan Johnson, Black Christmas Rewatch. I've been meaning to watch this ever since Trey put out his top 100 horror list. It's been quite a long time since I've seen it. I have a great start to making my own top 100 list, but need to rewatch things like this to rank and also need to see some films I have never watched yet. So I don't end up with too many recent favorites of mine. People just roll their eyes on like Mandy, Titan and Psycho Gorman. Examples. I recently added Night of the Hunter, Peeping Tom, and The Innocence to my list. Nice. Well, Black Christmas, yes, except for Peeping Tom, but that's okay. Well, I Black Christmas. Peeping Tom. I know. <laughs> well, Black Christmas was excellent, and 
is now sitting at my number 21 in my top 100. It's a five out of five from me with zero complaints. Yes, it seems about perfect with a great cast, and I love Olivia Hussey and Margot Kidder, both equally in it. Also, American Horror Story Delicate did not plan on a separated season. They suspended filming in July due to the Screen Actors Guild strike. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Trey responded to him saying, I'm glad you ended up liking it and happy to hear you're working towards your own top 100. It's definitely one of my favorites overall. And it's right there with Gremlins as my favorite Christmas horror. Uh, Lenny Bucatello, I watch this every Christmas Eve. One of my favorites. I absolutely love Margot Kidder in this movie. Yes. Everybody seems to love her. I'm Team Olivia Hussey, though. I don't know. I feel like people are kind of um, equal on them. You know what? They're both so different. There's room to love them both. Right. Right. I know, which is fun, too, since... um, since Dan had said that he loved them both equally. So it's kind of funny. It seems I didn't realize it was a thing that people talked about, like Olivia Hussey and Margot Kidder. Um, but it seems to keep coming up. So I think it's a thing. So it's just kind of, it's kind of fun. It's kind of like um, Twilight, like, I don't, I've never seen Twilight. I don't remember I, the characters, but what is it like the, the werewolf guy versus the vampire guy, how everybody would be like, which team are you? Yeah, I feel like I just kind of like that for Black Christmas. I just know that like uh caveat here. I just know that because of my kids reading the books that, yeah, that's how it was. But yeah, you were yeah. Team, team whatever. I don't even know their names, but I don't remember anymore. But Rhino is the same way when those were coming out. Her dad was taking her to see like the midnight release of each movie so it's kind of like their thing with his family and I was always like thank, thank god, god. <laughs> and they got her I remember one Christmas they got her like the Ken doll of Robert Pattinson's character and she was so excited I was like gross <laughs> All right, and I think that's it for Echoes this time. Short and that's, sweet. Yeah, that's it. Um, we did put out a call for y'all to let us know what you think of Phenomena, uh, but I just did that today, so there I didn't give anyone enough time to respond. So if you guys want to still give us your input, we'll just have it as an echo on a future episode um, that we'll read out. So please do that, because I am very interested in seeing what people think of this movie it's not as discussed, you know, I think mm-hmm. as like Asperia or something along those lines. So, all right. I'm just going to warn everybody right now that our podcast is a spoiler filled podcast. So this spoiler is spoiler alert, spoiler alert, your warning. <laughs> <laughs> of this part of the country. It comes from the Alps. The blasts of warm air cause snow avalanches. While it blows, there are those who say it causes madness.
Have you any idea why they behave like that? Never done this before. It's probably because of me. I guess they sense the mood I'm in. See, he's not afraid of you. Won't do that for me. Ask him to lead you where the dead bodies are hidden, and he'll lead you. That fly is your magic wand. It's perfectly normal for insects to be slightly telepathic. Yeah, it's normal for insects. But am I normal? I love you. I love you all. from 1985 is about a young girl who has an amazing ability to communicate with insects uh, and is transferred to an exclusive Swiss boarding school where her unusual capability might help solve a string of murders. That is a pretty cool premise, if you ask me. Yeah, um, I was on board. As of today's date, which is the 6th of January, 2024, it is streaming on Shutter, Tubi, and Plex. Uh, also known as Creepers, which is the cut version. Phenomena is an Italian and Swedish co-production filmed in Zurich, Switzerland, that was released on August 2nd, 1985. Running at just under two hours, Phenomena is directed by Dario Argento and stars a very young Jennifer Connelly in the main role as Jennifer. Uh, easy enough. And, and this is her second ever movie role. Uh, and also stars the wonderful Donald Pleasance as Professor John McGregor in his endearing co-star role, um, which I didn't know that he was in this. So when he appeared on the screen, I was like, oh, Donald <laughs> um, Some of the cast also includes Federica Mastroianni as <laughs> Jennifer's roommate, Sophie, Daria Nicolodi as Frau Bruckner, uh, and she was one of Dario Argento's regulars in his movies, as well as his ex-wife. And Delilah D. Lazaro as the headmistress. The writers are Dario Argento and Franco Farini, uh, who's an Italian writer, actor, and director. And he also um, wrote the screenplay for Connolly's first ever movie, Once Upon a Time in America. So that might be the connection there um, to get her in this movie. Uh, and he was also the co-writer on Dario Argento's most recent movie, Dark Glasses. Um, which did, did you, you ever see that? <laughs> no, <laughs> I didn't see it. Can't go. <laughs> you didn't, didn't see it? No, did you? I, I saw it and I really liked it. Um, and I, I mean, this is only, I think, my third Dario Argento movie. Like, it's a he, he's a huge blind spot for me. So I had seen Suspiria. And then I saw Dark Glasses last year and now Phenomena for the first time. Um, but I so this, really like This liked is your Dark first Glasses. watch, so you picked this without ever seeing it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I'll get into that in a second here, like literally in a second. But um, Oh, I see that. No. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, I really love Dark Glasses and I recommend that you watch that. It has another really like charming relationship between like an adult and a child, um, like Phenomena does, mm-hmm. in my opinion, anyways. <laughs> um, but uh this yeah was a first time watch for me and i chose it because it's been on my i need to watch this list for like way too long um i mean it's about a young girl who's a vegetarian and communicates with insects and it's set in the swiss alps while featuring heavy metal it's obviously made for me yes (laughs) but tammy tell me about your experience with this movie so i think so remember when I said I was listening to Exploding Heads and Dave uh, convinced me to watch Suspiria? I mm-hmm. think they they had been doing like a giallo, like, or maybe it was just some something Argento. on Argento. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of like inspired me to watch. It's like, all right, I'm going to watch these because, you know, he kind of sold me on it. So I watched this one and that's I watched this one. And um, I think the other two ones that go with Suspiria, like I'm, this is probably like 10 years ago, though. So, I mean, I watched this, but I didn't remember that much about it other than. I was like, meh. You know, I was completely taken by Suspiria, and I liked the other yeah. ones that I've watched. I've been kind of chipping away at him. You know, Horrorcast did, um, like, a Jalo series, and I forget what we watched for that, but I've kind of been chipping away at these, and there's just some that I like better than others. Now, when I was kind of, like, reading up for the podcast, I noticed that this one is pretty deci- or divisive. I've heard, mm-hmm. be- you know, of people that are fans of his, um, I I might be part of that team, but um, yeah, it was, as we get into, I'll tell you what I thought about it this watch, but it just didn't, but what's funny is the first time that I watched it, what I do remember is I had it on while I was wrapping Christmas presents, so, you know, yeah. I, I was like 80% watching it, but kind of going in and out of the room, setting stuff by the tree, bringing stuff in, you know, on to the kitchen table to wrap and stuff like that, so right. it maybe didn't get my full attention at the time, um, so I, 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 this is almost like a real a real first time watch for me, technically, I guess, where I would just sat down and did nothing but, you know, look at the screen and take notes and really watch it. So. Okay. Nice. Well, what do you think that you kind of felt about it when you weren't really paying attention? I thought some of the same, I, I guess I'll just show my hand here. Some of the <laughs> things that I remember thinking, dang, this is really long. And when I'm feeling a movie, no matter how long it is, and this one is kind of long, it's almost two hours. But I was really feeling it. Like, I feel like you could so easily cut, like, 45 minutes out of this movie. And then I might have enjoyed it better. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that Jennifer Connelly was a terrible actress. And I still thought that (sighs) this time. And I, (laughs) yeah, I know. (laughs) And I it's all that I really, I didn't even remember. Like, I had must have forgotten that Donald Pleasance was in it because I was also pleasantly surprised to see him. Mm-hmm. I didn't really remember. I remembered it was at a school, but I didn't really remember what the killings were about or what was going on. So, yeah, I guess my takeaway from it didn't nothing really stuck too much. Okay. It was like probably something I never would have watched again. You know, it just was like tick the box. I've seen it. OK, you know, that kind of. I do think, though, that um, even if you didn't really enjoy it, it's probably good that you actually like watched it and paid attention, because I feel like if I tried watching this like half paying attention, I would have been so lost. <laughs> <laughs> and like not known exactly what was going on, which I'll totally get to um, a little bit I would, later too. I say though, but. you can you can straight up watch it and still be a little lost. I think. Yes, I think that that is a fair assessment. 
All right. So let's go ahead and dive in to our scene by scene play here. Uh, so we open uh, with a girl missing a bus in a beautiful rural area because I didn't know yet that we're in the Swiss Alps. Um, we like that, don't we? We tend to spend a lot of time in the Swiss Alps. <laughs> I did think I'm like, that is so funny because I just didn't know that. Um, but yeah, you know, I tried to pick something different and I failed. So apologies. <laughs> And the first thing that I noted was that the music was very intense for the movie just having started. Like that the, is one of my, yes, that is one of my big gripes. I think there's good music in here, but it has no place being in this movie. Like, they yeah. feel like two different things. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Okay, look, I love Iron Maiden and Motorhead, you know, and it was, like, funny to hear that stuff come on, like, at inappropriate times. But was it, like, technically a good decision? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. I was like, huh? And it wasn't like, it wasn't like even like it was, I don't know. It wasn't, like, trying to be funny even though it was kind of funny. Because you're kind of like, what on earth? You know? Right. At least I was like, I think if had there been more appropriate, say, a more more maybe goblin-esque, goblin-esque kind of more, like, maybe just like a soundtrack of kind of creepy music or something to kind of go along with what happens to her. Yeah. Um, right away, because it immediately takes me out because my brain, I'm like, huh? Because now I'm thinking, what the heck? And it kind of just takes away from getting absorbed by the kill, I guess. And that yeah. happens more than once. So I mean, it's like literally as soon as the movie starts, there's like the synth music blaring and we see the bus like driving along the Swiss, the Swiss Alps. And it's like, what's happening? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Already? <laughs> uh, and nothing's actually happening yet right. either. You know, so, yeah, it's right off the bat. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> It's almost like you're watching a movie. It would be like if you were watching a movie with your eyes but had a soundtrack or, you know, like the audio to a different movie in your earphones. That's kind mm -hmm. of what it felt like. Like So right away it kind of takes you out of it. I mean, it did yeah. to me anyway. So. It did to me too, yeah. You weren't alone. Um, and we see that it's really windy um, and it's very cold looking, like the sun is behind the mountains. Um and the girl, who is Dario Argento's daughter, Fiore Argento. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, a little bit of trivia for you. Um, but that girl is his daughter. And um, we don't know who she is or anything yet. And she's just kind of wandering around after she misses her bus. Um, and she goes up to a random house for some reason and asks if anyone's home. Uh, she has an accent. And someone is home because they're chained up um, and we don't see who it is, but we see somebody's hands, you know, chained up and she hears the chains. So she says, I guess I can just walk into this house. Um, and she's, you know, kind of calling aloud, like, I know someone's here. I just heard you. Um, you know, like basically I'm lost and I need help. Um, well, she obviously never saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre then because apparently. you don't go up to the scary house that's all by itself in the woods. You just, 
And then you just walk in like, hey, and go from room to room, you know? Well, and we don't know it at this point, but it turns out she's like a Dutch um, tourist uh, who missed the tourist bus or whatever. It's like, you're not from this area even. Why do you feel like you could just walk into someone's house? It's very strange. What did you, like, so there was like this group. It looked like maybe the bus had, I don't know if they had stopped like for lunch or something, but like this whole group was walking. Was walking, wouldn't you turn around and go back the short distance to where you had just all been at rather than head right. off into the woods? It was just a weird, I mean, obviously I know they're setting up and they need this to happen. Yeah. It's, it's a movie, Tammy. I get that. But it's like, I thought the I'm, same thing though. <laughs> if I'm 15 in a country and I don't speak the language and I don't know, I'm going to go back to wherever I just was, not like, oh, I'm going to head off into the woods this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a weird Yeah, it was weird. No, I totally agree. That's exactly where my head went, too. I'm like, wait, they just got off and they accidentally left her behind. But wasn't she like somewhere (laughs) where they all got off the bus? Because they all Um, walked up together. So if it was just like it didn't it didn't feel like a a beginning of a tour that like everybody was coming from all over the place to get on. It felt like this group had been like maybe let off for lunch and then all walked back up to the bus together. I mean, we don't know that for sure, but that's just what it felt like to me. Plus, like on tour buses, I know they count people. They don't just like leave like, hey, sorry, you're you're 30 seconds late. You know, so we're just going to leave. Yeah, that's true. True. <laughs> so things weren't as great back then, um, as proven by what was that Kiernan Shipka movie that came yeah, out in 2023? Yeah. Where she's like trying to give them all these, oh, my transfer transcripts, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we don't care. Just go to class. She's like, you're not going to verify my identity. Um, sorry. That's probably, <laughs> no, that's like, why can't I think of the name of that? And that's probably going to be right at the top of my list, too. And I cannot think of what it's called. But, yeah, I can't think of it either. So it's OK. Uh, I can't think of things on the spot. That's why I have <laughs> these extensive notes to look at. <laughs> Uh, but yes, so she's wandering around this random house inside. Um, and then when all of a sudden someone takes the chains and like chokes her out with them from behind, uh, or they don't choke her out, but they're like choking her with the chains, but only briefly. Uh, and they allow her, I'm guessing they allowed it, uh, for her to get away, um, until they stab her in the hand with a pair of scissors as she's trying to go out the door, which I was like, oh! Plus, I was looking at that looked so good. That it looked did. so real. It did. It looked really good. And yeah. I was like, oh, no. Uh, and it's kind of like a messed up, like, jump scare, you know, because you're just, like, not expecting that. Like, she's got her hand on the door trying to get out, and then they just stab her. Um And then they continue to chase her, like, through this beautiful forest that's next to a waterfall. And it's on a trail. Like, there's handrails for people. But I don't understand why there's, like, a framed, like, window. Like, a piece of glass behind her head. It's that he, like, I was thinking to myself, (laughs) well, there's his scene. He loves to to film girls with their heads going through windows like it's in every one of his movies I swear there was no other reason to put that in unless that was just like an overlook if you wanted to stand by the waterfall but not get wet but also she was doing that infuriating 
I'm a girl in a horror movie, and I, suddenly I can't run faster yeah. than one mile an hour. <laughs> like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Um, but, like, but also it is kind of, like, tense. They're, like, you know, they're right behind her chasing her. I mean, that's I guess that's the reason why they do that, make girls run like they can't run. But, um, yeah, I just don't get it. When they attack her, all of a sudden there's a window behind her, but we're not in a building or structure. We're next to a waterfall. Um, yeah. Like, was it even really there? I, it seemed like it was kind of, like, superimposed, like, CGI'd or something. It I don't know. definitely a different – it looked it, like it was filmed on different film or something. It had yeah. – had a very stuck in there look. I don't know. But I just thought it was maybe like an observation deck where if you wanted to watch the waterfall but not get wet. Because I was trying to figure out like, okay, where where is she now? What yeah. just happened? You know? I don't know. Bizarre. Um but anyways, yeah, they like they I think they stab her, they actually stab her in the stomach. Um and mm-hmm. her head falls back and hits back, this yeah. piece of glass and we see the glass shatter of course. Um, <laughs> and then we just see her head roll down the waterfall <laughs> after that. And it's kind of funny because when they give us that POV of like the rock outcropping, uh, it's just like the camera's just sitting on it for a second. And then finally, like this fake decapitated head kind of rolls down and it's just like, so funny. And I'm like, okay, we're not very far into the movie and the cutting and editing is already like pretty choppy. Um, For sure. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say it's not good. You go, are we staring at this outcrop? Oh, okay. Oh, there's a head. Oh. And I actually laughed when I saw the head. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wonder like how the... many times, though, like, they really sent that head down this huge waterfall. I'm like, how many times did they have to get that just, did they only have one head? Did they have to get that just right? Because, I mean, it looked good. It was just funny. Yeah. You know, like. The stabbing looked. The stabbing looked good. Yeah, you know, like that part's actually terrifying. But yeah, I don't know. The decapitated head was pretty hilarious. Pretty funny. Plus, I don't know. Like, why didn't they cut off that little bit of film at the beginning so that we're just? I don't understand the cutting in this. It's weird. Like I said, there's so much stuff in here that just didn't die. This would be a great, like, hour and 15-minute movie, not hour and 50-minute movie. There's a lot of stuff that I was just like, why? But there's a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how the movie opens. <laughs> uh, and then in the next scene, there's a chimpanzee all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I thought, oh, my God, did a chimpanzee kill her? Because <laughs> it just cut right to that. So I'm like, it was a chimp. Um, and we watch as she returns to a home, to a house. Um, and I thought that she was carrying the pair of scissors. I was like, oh, my God, it was a chimp, which I'm sure that was inten- intentional, yeah. probably. Mm-hmm. They want you to think that there's a killer chimp. Um, but once we go inside of this house, we see that there's a forensic entomologist and professor uh, played by Mr. Donald Pleasance. And he's talking to some investigators about a murder case. Um, oh, fun fact. The first career that little amateur destroyer ever dreamed of having was as an entomologist. So I always wanted to be an entomologist when I was a little kid. I loved bugs and insects. And it's very brave of you. Yes. I had, you know, ant farms. I had really pulley farms. I like to try and save like other bugs from ants when I thought that they were going to eat them. Um, you know, cocoons and watching them turn into butterflies and all kinds of stuff. So 
that was my favorite until I found out that you have to murder insects uh, when you're in school studying to become an entomologist. And then I was like, no way. I am not going to kill any bugs. Don't care. Not happening. Why do you have to kill them? You have to make little kill jars and stuff so that you can, like, preserve. But, like, you know, when they put them on the little pin boards and things like that and they don't look messed up, it's because they have to kill them with a kill jar. Um, And it's like you have to study them when they're dead. Um as well as when they're alive. So it's just I guess a I just thought the school just bought dead bugs, you know, like I didn't know you had to. And I don't know if that's outdated now, but when I was little, that was something that you had to do. And I was like, Mm-mm. and the, and the dream died right then and there, huh? Yes. Never killing a bug. See, don't that's grow that. up. It's a trap. Seriously. I agree. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Back to the movie. <laughs> So the chimp comes inside the house and she's actually carrying a scalpel, not a pair of scissors. And she doesn't appear to be bloody or anything. I'm like, okay, so it wasn't the chimp. This is just they were trying to trick me. Um, And her name is Inga. And she basically infers to Pleasance that she found the scalpel outside because he's like having a conversation with her. (laughs) Yeah. Which is really cute. And he's like, oh, okay, where'd you get that? Oh, you got it outside. And he's able to figure that out somehow. Um. And she's very cute. And he teaches her that the scalpel is dangerous and can cut her. Um, and he's kind of showing her with paper, like, see, this could cut. And she's very receptive and paying attention like a good little student. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, he's revealing a severed head into this glass box that's crawling in maggots to the investigators. And they're talking about how he can figure out the estimated date of death based on the maggots and the state of the head, which was found in the lake. Um, which I was like, so on board in this scene, I was like, oh, this is so fascinating. I love this. Uh, and the head belongs to a young woman or girl. And, uh, they're talking about another girl that's gone missing as well. And so I think it's safe to assume that this is a different house than the one with the shackles and that the monkey was just a trick. Um, so this is just a whole different thing. Um, and for some reason, the professor who's professor John McGregor, he points out, uh, to the investigators that when he uses a laser pointer with Inga, that whatever he's pointing at, she will remember. Like, she will now never forget what he just taught her because he's using this laser pointer in their training method. Um, and it seems like it's something important that's going to come up again, but I don't remember it ever coming up again in, like, an important way. Do you? <laughs> no, he, I, I think we only ever see it again. He shows um, when Jennifer Conley comes there, he shows Inga which room to take her to by pointing to it. Do we ever see it? Oh, that's he, the only other uh, time I remember. Um, He does. No, when remember when some the scene where something happens to Donald Pleasance later, I think he's holding it when he's looking at the shadow, I think. Oh, but it's not really like. I think he was just trying to communicate with, he thought maybe the noise he heard was Inga. I, I, I think he was just using it to maybe try to communicate with her, but I think he tries shining it and it ends up, it's not Inga, it's someone else. And right. but it, I mean, no, it doesn't ever like, yeah. That would be important though, because mm-hmm. of what Inga does afterwards. Yeah. Except that that scene doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> so maybe not. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> We'll see when we get there if I'm missing anything else, but thank you because I didn't notice that in that scene. 
All right. Well, next, we see little baby Jennifer Connelly appearing on the screen. That's just what I called her, little baby. She's so young. Um, And, you know, her father is in the Philippines. He's apparently a famous actor. Um, I know that she's somewhere in Europe at this point. I still don't know that we're in the, the Swiss Alps, even though I should be able to figure that out after Hagazuza, I suppose. <laughs> um, and she's in a car with a woman. Um, and the woman refers to the area as Swiss Transylvania, which comes up a couple of times. Um, and <laughs> she's riding with this woman somewhere and there's a strange interaction in the car with the woman freaking out over a bee that flies into the car as well as the driver. They're totally losing it. Yeah. And I've actually had this happen before and it is kind of like, Oh crap, I'm driving and a bee just flew into the car and I don't want to like run into anything or crash into another car. So I just keep cool. Um, <laughs> And Raina was a little, little kid when this happened. And she was screaming bloody murder <laughs> in the back of the car all of a sudden. And I was like, oh, my God, what's happening? A bee flew into the car. I was like, dude, trash <laughs> this car because a bee flew. Like, relax. Um, anyways, Jennifer in this um, scene very calmly tells them to leave the bee alone. And she takes the bee and handles it and says that she's never hurt by insects. Um, and she has a great love and affinity for them, apparently. And she helps put the bee back outside. Um, oh, another fun fact about me. Um, I love bugs. Okay, that's it. I love bugs and insects, if you didn't know. And I've also had to save many a bee from being murdered when they accidentally fly into a structure filled with silly humans who are afraid of bees for some reason. Um, my best friend, who passed away a couple of years ago... He actually had a reason to be afraid of bees. He was severely allergic to them and he was a hobo. So he was constantly outside uh, facing the elements and bees. Um, and he would have to carry around his EpiPen uh, on his travels. So it was something that I worried about. <laughs> See, I'm afraid of wasps because wasps are mean and aggressive. And I'm like not like allergic to them, but yeah. kind of allergic to them. And like okay. I should, I don't have to like EpiPen or anything, but I got to like Benadryl up when I get stung once a year, you know, which yeah. I inevitably do. But and it hurts so freaking bad. And I think just in my mind, like I just lump all those stinging insects mm. together, you know, like like a yeah. spider, any spider. I don't care what spider it is. It's a spider. It it must die. Like, you know, like that's just how I feel. So <sighs> this might be the end of our podcast. I love spiders. <laughs> God. I love them. But um but you're right about wasps. They are mean. We have a lot of yellow jackets and like carnivorous wasps out here that literally go after you. They chase um, you because they're carnivorous. Yes, Wisconsin, <laughs> I don't know, man. They are like it's like they will like it's like they just wait out there and they will freaking attack you for no reason whatsoever. Like th- whenever I get stung, I'm not like messing with it or it like comes after me. And it's like what yeah. the hell? Yeah. And I actually I have some trivia about this a little bit later, but it's not a bee, it's a hornet. But it looked to me like it was supposed to be a bee, like because there are some hornets and wasps that look like bees. So I felt like they were trying to give the impression that it was a bee, but maybe not. Oh, I thought, that, yes, I thought it was trying to be a bee. I, those, I thought those fat, fuzzy ones were all bees. Hornets look like wasps, don't they? For the most part, I, but there are certain ones that, you know, look different. Well, I'm like, well, they must have took the stinger off of it, whatever it is. But you can't take a stinger off a bee, <laughs> right? It'll die. You cannot. Correct. 
So, so what, here, I'll what, just, I'll get into the, right. the trivia really quick. I think I have it down a little lower. All right. So this is actually, this is really interesting to me. Everything that has to do with insects has been made possible by the detailed research carried out by a group of entomologists led by Mauricio Garone, who has worked with Argeno for many years. The hornet is put to sleep uh, with ether before undergoing a delicate operation in microsurgery where they removed his stinger without damaging any of his vital organs um, because you know that those are all like connected. Uh, and then once it was removed, they tied a nylon thread to one of his legs so that his movement in flight could be controlled. Oh, is that how they did? I'm like, I know, because you're like, wait, that's a, definitely a real bug. Like, yes, because some of some of the scenes you can tell it's like CGI and 1985 CGI when there's like whole groups of the bugs outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like this, this, I'm like, how are they doing that? But yeah. That, oh, okay. All right. Isn't well, that's that so interesting. Cool? Yeah. Um, and so they had tied the thread to his little leg. And in the scene where the hornet lands on Jennifer's hand, the roof of the Mercedes had been cut open like a a tin of sardines this is argento's quote (laughs) and there was a small hut on what was left of the roof uh that would be um the hideaway for mauricio and uh during shooting where he would need to control the insects movements as it entered and exited according to the script oh wow isn't that crazy that is crazy for one little hornet (laughs) that was like my favorite bit of trivia (laughs) exciting um all right so that was just the little scene in the car on the way to a boarding school that she soon arrives at um and this is when she reveals that she's vegetarian i have another fun fact about me isn't this fun i'm just putting in all these fun facts (laughs) so i was a vegetarian um for about five years before becoming vegan which i've been for 11 years now um but i just thought it was fun for somebody in the 1980s especially a young girl to be like, I'm a vegetarian. Um, and for her to go for a mixed veggie baby food jar, that's like what it kind of used to feel like. Not anymore, because it's like all those things have be- have come such a long way. But like back in the day, it was like, all right, what can I eat? Uh, so what's the difference between vegetarian and vegan for people that don't know like myself? So vegetarian is you can still have um, animal products. As long as, like, no animals were killed in the process. So, like, like milk and eggs. Mm -hmm. Cheese, that kind of stuff. Exactly. Whereas with vegans, they don't eat anything that even comes from an animal. (laughs) What do you eat, then? Like, literally, what do you eat? I eat a lot of vegetables. I eat a lot of fruits. I love nuts. eat lots of nuts. I eat lots of beans and legumes and lentils. So that's where you get your protein from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And I also have, like, protein powder that comes from pea protein instead of, like, milk. Um, but, yeah, I do – I specifically try to focus on getting enough protein because I actually work out. Um, but in a lot of cases when people are like, but where do you get your protein from? Like, if you're not – 
really working out, you don't really need that much protein. People always think you need like to eat a ton of protein. And it's like, well, are you a bodybuilder? <laughs> well, you need uh, some. And I think people exactly don't have, like, you need some beans. I know mushrooms have some potatoes right, have a little, I think. Um, protein and people don't even realize that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think you just I associate protein with like animal products. So so why why did you do that? Uh, well, I originally did it because my husband wanted to go vegan. We were both vegetarian and he wanted to go vegan. So I was like, okay, I'll try it out. And then after a week, my stomach had stopped hurting um, oh. because basically my stomach hurt like my entire life leading up to that point. Do you think it was <laughs> lactose? I just thought it was normal. Or do you yeah, think it, I think yeah. I'm lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. And I just never, I just thought it was normal for your stomach to hurt all the time. Because <laughs> oh. it always had. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know any. I was like, oh, my stomach doesn't hurt. I'm going to stay vegan. Um, but then, of course, you learn, you learn more like about how animals are treated and factory farming and all that stuff overfishing and then you're like okay now I'm vegan for more reasons um but it actually started because I was like oh my god I'm not in pain for once I guess you can get used to anything like you know um I've been having like some blood pressure problems so I've had to like go without salt or like reduce my salt which means basically no cheese and I thought I was going to die like Mm -hmm. literally thought because I kind of like eat a keto-ish lifestyle and it's a lot of meat and cheese and I'm like, I'm going to, and all meat pretty much is like treated with salt. And so I've like really like, I've been eat, I've got it down to like just fresh chicken. <laughs> like that's all yeah. I like. And um, I'm like, I'm going to die. But after like two or three weeks of this, I'm like, okay, I'm not, I'm not dying. I miss it. Like I really <laughs> miss cheese. Um, yeah. I really love goat cheese. But um, yeah, it's just, I guess you can get used to any, and you know, it, it's just health. It's like what my body needs right now. So I have to do it. But I guess you can get it's not like I'm not like an anti cruelty person or anything. It's just like, well, all right, my body needs me to cut out these foods. Obviously, your body needed you to cut out some foods. And yeah, you just kind of get used to it. So you really do. Like when we first went vegan, I was really worried about cheese because especially as a vegetarian, you just put cheese on everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what am I going to eat? Um, yeah. And then that ended up being really easy to eliminate, actually. And I didn't think the only thing I really do miss is eggs because I really love breakfast and I, I love hate, eggs. I hate <laughs> eggs. I don't even want eggs in on the same street as me. I hate eggs. That's so funny. Much, I have so. friends. I have a couple of friends that are like that. Totally disgusting. Um, but yeah, I don't miss cheese at all. It's really weird. So, but yeah, you do, you can get used to anything really. And then it's just a new habit. So yeah, that's true. Oh well, we were talking about this movie. So <laughs> yeah, I know everyone's like, I'm out of here. <laughs> no, I think people are. I'm sure people have the same questions I do. You know, it's just yeah. okay. Um, I respect your decision. Why did you make it? You know, just that kind of thing. Getting to know you a little better. Yeah, there you go, guys. I mean, that's so obviously um, your whole mo here, Mallory, was to have us get to know you better. You know, <laughs> talk about Jessica. <laughs> I know. I was like, wait, why did I put in all these fun facts about myself? I think it was because I'm trying to prove, like, why this movie should be made for me, because it's going to help me make a different point later on. Um, these things, I, like, when we're, like, on horror cast, these are things we would never get into, like, but all these kinds of things shape all of your decisions and all of your feelings and how you see a movie and why you think the way, you know, you're a product of everything you think and believe and feel and... There's a lot of things that go into why a movie might like be really meaningful to you. And now's your chance to say, you know, for me, I don't have that 
like, but I don't have a lot of the connections here like you do. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's more easy for me to like just dismiss a movie like this. But I think it's really interesting how people, how your person shapes how you feel about movies. And I don't think that gets discussed a lot, even in any podcast, you know, like, where do our feelings come from and that kind of thing? And I think that's like on the podcast that we're going to guest on where we're talking a little bit more about, you know, maternal horror. I think that's kind of like the base of that, you know, like yeah. the kind of, the, the, why are, you know, we, we have a podcast here for women and it's not just because we're men bashers or anything. It's like, I think there's a lot more of why we have different things to say other than just I'm a female, you know, it's just right. uh, everything that shapes you, I think. It's really interesting, I think, to hear such an in-depth thing about you, like why all of these things about this movie connect with you. And I'm sure the listeners will feel the same way. And I I love podcasts and I always love when the hosts put in personal things about themselves. And a lot of guys, I find, don't tend to do that. I find that more on like the women that I listen to, I think. But mm. I think like I give a lot of time to certain podcasts so I think it's just natural to want to know about the people that you're if you're going to listen to them talk every week I think they appreciate knowing more I just I don't know just personally yeah. I would, I like this I like that you put all these kinds of things in here I like like I we are like best friends and I didn't know some of this stuff about you so I think it's really interesting Aww. so okay I'll show right. it kind of like Makes your point of view make a little more sense, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. right? If people have a little bit of a background. But I did in the scene, I was just like, that's so funny. She has to eat some baby food, which is like at a point in time that was pretty, I mean, not baby food specifically, but like I sneak in peanut butter and jelly sandwiches when I go to weddings just in case. Nowadays, people would think about that kind of stuff, you know, and there's at least like a salad or something for the most part, but. There was, like, a long stretch of time where that just wasn't normal. So, like, I'm sneaking in a peanut butter and jelly in my purse. (laughs) I'm going to, like, try and sneak it into my mouth when people aren't looking because I don't want to offend anybody. (laughs) Well, I mean, and I think I can't be the only one that didn't know what's the difference between a vegetarian and a vegan and, you know, being such a meat eater myself. And I just think that's really interesting and why people do what they do and make the – such huge life decisions, you know? Yeah. Anyway, totally. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So, yeah. So Jennifer is reduced to baby food. Um, okay. And I, mean, I, could ta- I could taste that scene and I'm just like watching her eat it, you know? I'm like, oh. What does she compare it to? She compared it to some like dog food or cat food or something. Cat I don't even food, remember. Cat food. But I'm thinking, I know that tastes like grass from the backyard. It's like, well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, that is so, because it was like yeah. handmade baby food. So it wasn't even like, mm. you know, all sugared up and stuff like Like it was yeah. just like just somebody stuck a bunch of vegetables in like your food processor and stuck it in a jar with a label. But why was that even there? So the that thing? that belonged to the baby brother of her roommate um, who we get to meet right now. Her name is Sophie and she's a French girl who is already smoking at her young age. Um, but she said that her family had come to visit her and they left behind her baby brother's food um, <laughs> in her room. And so that's why it was there. Okay. I guess I must have missed that part because I'm like, what a weird, strange, random. Yes. Strange, it's still weird. It's still a weird, strange, random thing to put in the movie. And I don't know if it's just because we want to know that she's a vegetarian. And if we need to know that, like, why is it just 
to kind of go hand in hand with the fact that she doesn't want to hurt insects, you know, like that same kind oh, of yeah. line of I, thinking. I, I maybe. Is, or is she really a vegetarian in real life? I wonder. I just wanted to, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea, like, why that matters, as well as, like, ten other storylines in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so we meet Sophie, her roommate, who ends up being kind of adorable um, and sweet. Mm-hmm. And even when she's kind of talking about Jennifer later on to her boyfriend, she's kind of saying the things, like, matter-of-factly and not, like, in a mean way, even though Jennifer ends up getting taunted for the same things by the other girls. But... They are cute together, and I like their relationship. Um, I do, too. And, like, they're, the way they kind of really just, like, naturally become friends right away um, is really cute. But uh, soon after, the headmistress enters the room and confiscates a poster of an actor from Jennifer. Um, because it's against the rules for some reason to have posters. I don't know. Maybe because it was a guy. But um, but then it's revealed that this actor on the poster is her father, uh, Paul Corvino. Um, and a little bit of trivia about this is that uh, the unseen father of Jennifer Connelly is named Paul uh, Corvino. This was an inside joke as the producer and distributor of Phenomena, Tenebrae, and Demons 1 and 2 is Paula Corvino. Um, originally, Argento wanted Connelly's character to be portrayed as the daughter of Al Pacino and planned to have photos and video clips of him included in the film. Pacino, however, refused to allow this as, according to Argento, he didn't appreciate telling the story of a daughter he doesn't have. <laughs> so. <laughs> but, I mean, it would just be like, he, he wouldn't, it'd be like just like him acting in a movie where he, you know, he'd be in there as an actor, not like the real Al Pacino, you know what I mean? I don't think, I don't think so, though, because I think, I think I read that they worked on her first film together, so I think he was just going to try and take clips of that, maybe. I don't think he was trying to get him to be an actual actor in this movie. I'm not sure, but why would you, why would you pick, like, a real-life actor? I don't know. I don't know. So why why a, a lot of in this movie, you know? I agree. <laughs> yes, I cannot say that that is not true. Um, and then what's so cute is that Sophie is a huge fan of Paul Corvino and all of his movies, and she's watched all of his interviews, which kind of leads into them having a little bit of a discussion about Jennifer's childhood and her mother, who abandoned her when she was eight on Christmas Day um, for her lover. And so it's clear that Jennifer and her father have a really close relationship. And whenever she talks about him, you know, her face gets really soft and loving. And the way she talks about him is really sweet. So, um, but it's funny because Sophie says that if her, if she had a poster up of Paul Corvino, this is before she knew it was her father, that she wouldn't be able to get any sleep, <laughs> indicating that he's, he's a hot, he's a hot daddy actor, um, apparently. So. Very cute. Um, but then Sophie brings up that there's a murderer in the area that's killing girls their age. And Jennifer just kind of cuts her off pretty quickly so she can get some shut eye. <laughs> but it's been yeah. brought up. She, she knows about it. Um, what do you have to say about this scene in general? I feel like the, I mean, I appreciate the relationship in theory, but the acting feels I so. Said she was, I said she was a terrible actress and you, you poo-pooed me. Well, so this is what I think is, I don't think it's the acting itself. 
I think it's the way that the movie's edited because there's like these weird like spaces in their dialogue when they're talking to each other and stuff that make it feel like they're acting instead of people who are interacting with each other. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's an editing problem, oh. not an acting problem. And I don't well, know if it's because, you know, this is a mix of people speaking in English and Italian oh. and like all these different languages. Yeah, you know I didn't I mean? think of that. Yeah. And she was supposed to be French, that girl, right? Yeah. The roommate was French. I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I Maybe it's a combination of, of both, but I just felt like, and I mean, I've seen her act in things when she was older, and I thought she was just fine. Maybe it's just because she's so new. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is obviously a very first, one of her first acting roles, so... I don't know. I just really felt that. Maybe it's a combination of, because the other, to me, the other girl, the roommate didn't feel, I didn't feel her acting. Mm-hmm. I just really thought that Jennifer Connelly was a terrible actress in this movie. So, Well, what do you think about the scenes when she's interacting with um, the professor? Like, do you still feel like her acting's bad? Because I was thinking at first, I'm like, I think that acting is bad. But then in those scenes... I feel like it's fine. So then it made me think that it was because whenever she's acting with somebody who's speaking in a different language, that they're just not like editing it in a way where it's seamless because then they had to go in and dub with English later on or whatever. I mean, that could very well be true. And I just had not thought of that. And are we sure, do we ever see them to, like, are we sure they're even actually in the room together? Do we ever see them together? I can't remember. Or was it like two people, you know, edited together? You know what I mean? I'm not sure. I mean, I I think they're together. At least when the headmistress comes and takes the poster, it shows all three of them together. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I know what you mean, because then when they'll be like focusing on one girl and then the camera will be on the other girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know either. I feel the same way. Yeah, I just I don't know. I just personally felt her acting. And and, and as far as the scenes with Donald Pleasance, I mean, he I had some as much as I like him and I liked him in here. I just I noticed he kept forgetting that he had an accent half the time. Did you notice that? (laughs) I was going to bring this up later because in the scene where there's an intruder in his house, I hear his Scottish accent come out when he's yelling at the intruder. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that other than that, I did not hear a Scottish accent like throughout the whole movie. (laughs) Scottish accents are my favorite. Well, when he first meets her, he's he's trying to have one because he introduces himself as Scottish. But then I feel like it's gone after that. (laughs) Like, well, what happened? You know, so I mean, I I had like that issue with his acting. But I mean, he's not pleasant. So who cares? Um, But I guess I didn't feel you're right. I didn't feel it as much when she was talking to him. But I mean, she's no Donald Pleasance. That's for sure. So that's true. And I felt like sometimes when she's acting and I don't know if this is a her acting thing or the character, but it seemed like she was trying to present as like an older woman. You know what I mean? And so I was like, I can't tell if this is just like kind of bad acting where she thinks that this is what acting is or if this is her character, you know, who's just like acting like she's really mature for her age. Uh, you know, that that I didn't think of that either, because in some scenes she feels like that. And then in some she feels so childlike, like especially when she's interacting with insects. So mm-hmm. I just she just kind of lose herself in them and it, maybe she was trying to you know at these like these girls seemed a little more worldly maybe than her i mean i don't know if she was trying to act we used when i was younger we used to say you think you're so big <laughs> i don't know if you guys said that or uh, <laughs> no. 
say that now, but that's what we think. You think you're so big. And yeah, we I, just we I, always say, you think your shit doesn't sink. Okay, well, but it is the same thing, okay? <laughs> and I think that maybe she was maybe trying to present herself as, you know, what's his name's daughter, and, you know, she's mature and, and all that. But like I said, then you'd see her with the insects, and she was just very childlike. So, mm-hmm. but it could have been written that way for all we know. Maybe yeah. it's bad acting, you know, I... Um, and some of her, when I was talking about a lot of this filler scenes that I thought that there were, a lot of them were, um, she's just kind of like, uh, you know, does a lot of looking around and there's really long shots that her just kind of like staring or like when she's following that bug outside, like, yeah. which is almost like infuriatingly like, <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, like, just yeah. really, I don't know if she goes into, it's supposed to like go into a trance or something. I'm not sure, but it just, I don't know. I just, yeah, it that's going to come up again. Okay. Definitely. All right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that her acting's atrocious. And I think if nothing else, she definitely has presence. I think she's always had that. 100%. I mean, you can see it. Like, she was a... You know, she goes on to have quite a career. I don't think she's so active now, but in, you know, in the next 10 years, she's going to become a pretty well-known actress. So, but I mean, she could ride on just her looks alone. She's like a Brooke Shields, which I know is also before your time, but these, oh, no, I know these, Brooke Shields. <laughs> these girls that are like stunningly beautiful at eight, nine, 10 years old. You yeah. Know, she's, she's one of those. Um, right. I think she started modeling at like 10. Yeah. <laughs> but like look has, I mean, has looks equal to a grown up woman. She shouldn't, but there's just some of those little girls that do. I mean, she is as beautiful here as any grown woman, you know, yeah, and she kind of so, carries herself a certain way. And she has like these really beautiful eyes and these really intense eyebrows. <laughs> just things like that. that yeah. Just draw you to her. Um, for sure. Yeah. And she's been like in the business in one form or another since she was a kid, it sounds like. So makes sense. But yeah. Yeah. So everybody tell us what you think. You think it was bad acting, bad editing or a mix of both? (laughs) Uh, Okay. So getting back to the movie. All right. So she goes to sleep. Um, oh yes. And this is where I put the acting overall is pretty bad. It feels stiff and unnatural. There's a delay between responses. Felt like Jennifer Connelly was doing a good job, but there's still some unnatural pauses when she's interacting with others that makes the pacing of the movie strange. Um, so that's why I came to the conclusion that maybe it was editing. Um, I think you're onto something with it could be what I, I didn't think of. You know, I don't know what language uh, is native to the um, roommate, and I don't mm-hmm. know if her voice was dubbed, but I, that might be some of it. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we hear Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden playing. <laughs> What the hell? Uh, which seems kind of out of place. I mean, there is a girl being chased by a blade, so I guess it's just very on the nose. Um, but we <laughs> see this girl running through the woods, and she runs into the girl's school, um, and somebody's wielding a blade towards her, although we don't see who they are. And Jennifer, at the same time, is having a nightmare, um, and she begins to sleepwalk. And while she's sleepwalking, she's imagining this other place that she's walking around. So she's walking around the inside of the girls' school, but she's imagining that she's somewhere else. And we don't know what this other place is. Um, and this kind of got confusing for me because there were certain spots where I was trying to figure out if she was still sleepwalking um, or Agreed. Agreed. if she had woken <laughs> up. 
Agreed. Um, and then some of it is kind of verified later on. Okay, yeah, she was still sleepwalking because she doesn't remember this incident that occurred. Um, but anyway, she's walking around the school, and we're kind of seeing, you know, it's split between, like, her sleepwalking and this other girl running away from the killer. Um, and then Jennifer ends up on the roof somehow of the school, and she's kind of walking around the perimeter of the roof that's breaking because it's not meant for walking. Um, and then she turns and looks in through a window. It seems like she's turning and looking in through this window. And at that same time, uh, the girl who's being chased runs into that room and right up to the window, just as she's stabbed through the back of the head and in through her wide open screaming mouth. Um, I was very, very confused because this goes nowhere, not to get ahead of you, but yeah. I'm like, did she, if she just saw that, why isn't the school on lockdown? And it's like the room, the roommate just, because the girl was the roommate, right? That she sees no. in the window. This was another girl. All this right. This was another girl. Well, it just, I, I don't know. I was just really confused. Like, I agree with you. Like, I don't know what was a dream. What was a vision? Was she mm-hmm. seeing through bugs eyes? Because sometimes they would have like that, you know, like those little like like it's filmed with like circles or squares or whatever. And I'm like, is she is this the telekinesis with the bugs? I don't know. I was just really lost on that part. In this scene, she's still sleepwalking, which kind of gets confirmed because she doesn't remember seeing the girl get murdered. Although it's confusing because why did it seem like she turned and like stopped and turned and looked in through this window, but she wasn't actually seeing what was happening, apparently. I don't know. She didn't remember it. She saw a girl get murdered right in her face. You know what I but mean? She didn't, but, then, but she was sleepwalking. So she's still seeing this other place that she's like imagining that she's walking around. So did you ever figure out like why, why is she able to see the murder? So is she able to communicate with bugs and she's telekinetic or is she well, in, seeing- that, in that scene? Like she's not realizing that she's seeing it, but she's actually right there. Right. But she's sleepwalking. So she's asleep. So she's not. So like she's realizing. sleep visioning? So she's not like sleepwalking to the murder. She No, she was just sleepwalking. And it just happened at the same time as this other thing was happening. And this is just like a coincidence. All right. Which is like, why? <laughs> well, I, I mean, in the description of the movie, they say she witnesses the murder and the doctor, you know, convinces her to use her powers to solve it. But to me, witnesses means she saw it with her own eyes. So is she seeing what's actually happening in her dream as it's happening? Or is she sleep? I didn't, didn't know if that was it. Or was she sleepwalking to the murder and seeing it happen? And then she's in danger. Like, you know? Yeah. I don't know. No. So this it what I think is that this is just occurring at the same time and it happens to be right next to her. And it's not because she's being led by anything. She's just sleepwalking, which is something that happened to her when she was younger, apparently. Um, and this is the first time it's happened to her in a long time. Um, so she's not like even though she, her body is there and this thing is occurring right next to her because she's sleepwalking and she's imagining she's in some other building. She's not actually seeing the murder. But at that same time, the roof also collapses and she just kind of falls down the side of the building because she luckily gets kind of hooked onto trees or whatever right next to the building and just kind of falls down slowly. That was a little hard to believe, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And this murder has just occurred right next to her, but she's not aware of it. 
And she continues to sleepwalk into the middle of a road. And then she kind of gets hit by a car, but not really. Or it's just like a really close call. And then gets abducted by the car. Right. And I think the boys are just trying to take her to the hospital or something. But she's like so out of it. And I can't tell if she's still sleepwalking or not um, at this point. But I did know that when she's in the car with them and they're kind of trying to, like, talk to her, and she's like, oh, why not? And it's, she's, like, really struggling. It kind of reminded me of when my daughter was little. She used to get night terrors. And I whenever she would get them, mm-hmm. she would do that where she wasn't really awake. And I was yeah. kind of trying to, like, wake her up without, like, waking her up. And she'd be like, oh. And that's kind of what she was doing in the car. <laughs> so I was like, is she still not awake or is she just like confused because she's in a car with two boys all of a sudden um so i I couldn't i have no idea but uh but then she kind of like catapults her body out of the car so i assume she's awake at that point (laughs) i hope so (laughs) (laughs) yes this is all very confusing so she catapults herself out of this car and falls into, like, the woods that are right next to the road. And the guys eventually give up on trying to, because they're calling out for her and she's not responding on purpose. So they're like, okay, I guess we'll just leave this girl that we kind of hit because she's hiding from us now. And they're very confused. Um, and while she's in the woods, the chimp approaches her all of a sudden. Inga finds her, takes her by the hand. Yeah. And just guides her to the professor's house. And she's like, she's just going along with it. So that's why I'm also like, are you awake or are you sleeping? (laughs) Or are you awake? I guess I figured she's awake now and she takes the first help offered to her because she doesn't know where she is. Or how she got there? Yeah, there's a chimpanzee. I'm just going to go with it. Cool. Right? You know, like if you're dreaming and you have dream logic, like stuff like that will happen in your dreams. And for whatever reason, it feels normal. But like I can't see you in real life awake being like, yeah, I'm going to follow this. Oh, a chimpanzee in the the forest like you do. (laughs) You know, like, okay. (laughs) I don't know. It was very confusing to me. Anyways, yes. So she goes ahead and follows Inga. Um, and she is taken to the professor's house. And I don't think I had noticed earlier that he was in a wheelchair. I think this is the first time I noticed that he's in a wheelchair. Um, and this is when she's telling him that she did used to sleepwalk when she was younger, um, but it hasn't happened in a really long time. And she thinks maybe it's just kind of the stress of coming to the country or maybe the boarding school. And she also mentions the wind um and there is this kind of weird scene when the professor starts to talk about the wind and it's kind of strange magical aura or something and the camera closes in on his face while he's talking about that um and i don't know if that ever is actually important to the story either and i he brings up the transylvania thing again but yeah it gets mentioned in the car when She's driving back, back with, you know, the scene with the bee when they're first, she's first getting to school. He gets brought yeah. up there and then he brings it up again and it has a name. I forget what it was. It's a, it's got a certain kind of name, but it starts with an F, whatever this wind is. And I don't know. Yeah. That comes down through the Alps or whatever. I don't know if they're trying to say that like 
when we do discover who the killer is, that it has anything to do with the wind. I don't well, know. Doesn't he say it can make you crazy or something like that? He says he something He's about like some people think it makes you mad and blah yeah. blah blah. But I don't know if that's ever actually a thing or not. Although, without I'm not I'm not going to give anything away, but I don't know that we ever get an explanation anyway, though. At the end, it could just be the wind for all we know. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's true. I have to ask you about that later, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so she's over at the professor's house, um, and this is when she realizes that, um, well, this is their this is their first time meeting, right? Yeah. I think so. I think this is the yeah. first time they meet. It's just Inga brought home a weird girl, um, and the professor's trying to help her out. And they seem to be really comfortable with each other, which I find really sweet and endearing. And I think he's actually a professor at her school. I think that gets brought up at one point um, later on. I'm not entirely sure, though, to be oh. completely honest. I think one of the girls brings it up because – um, I think when she goes back to the school after this scene and she's talking to Sophie about the professor, she's like, this school isn't only girls, like you said, because the professor <laughs> and she's like, he doesn't oh, count or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that, yeah. he works at the school, but I'm not sure. Um, but when she realizes that he's an entomologist, she's really excited about his profession, you know, and she's clearly very comfortable around all of his little insect friends around the house. And uh, this is when he says that he came from Scotland uh, to teach entomology and ended up staying. And um, this is when he has Inga um, take her to get a coat, this big oversized coat that she ends up utilizing later on, too. And he's using the laser pointer so that Inga knows where to take her. Um, and they ride up the lift that's on the stairs, you know, for his wheelchair, obviously, but it's just kind of cute seeing this girl and this chimp going <laughs> up the stairs it. together. Um, and I have more so, trivia about them later too. Let me just ask you real quick. So this, this, he calls her Greta, but this Greta that the coat belonged to, he said, I think right away he tells her that um, she reminds him of a girl that used to come and help out and do like secretarial stuff. And her name was Greta and that they looked alike. And um, you could yeah. tell that he missed her. Now, do you think Greta was killed by the killer? I think so. Yeah, because later on when he's saying that um, he's he's in on this plan and that they end up conjuring later on, it's for her, you know. He wants to get vengeance for her. Okay. All right. So, yes, I think so. And I don't know, because, you know, when they have the head in the glass box earlier in the movie, I don't know if that's a book, because that was found in a lake. So I assume that that was the tourist's head. Yeah, you know, that's from what the killing I thought. we just saw. Uh-huh. But maybe it's actually, do you say her name's Gre- Greta? I, I would say Greta. He calls her Greta, but I, maybe that's how oh, okay. it's said in um, that lane. You know, that's how this person would say it. I put Rita. <laughs> But I don't know, because we don't actually meet her, so I don't think that there's an actor or anything that plays this character. But anyway, she was just another girl that went to the school that was kind and would come and hang out with him and do whatever. So mm-hmm. he automatically is kind of reminded of her by Jennifer. Um, and <laughs> he's kind of like, um, he's looking at one of his little beetles, and it squirts him right in the glasses, and Jennifer comes out in her new coat and says, bullseye. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, this is, I like this. This is cute, whatever this relationship is. 
Um, and he does kind of make it, he starts picking up right away that the insects act like strangely around her in particular, like in ways that they don't normally interact with humans. And there's a line where he says that like, um, the beetle is trying, is excited by her and is trying to excite her to the best of his ability as well. And then she says like, and to think we just met. Yeah. And I think that some people take that line and think it's like a weird, gross line, like in a sexual way, like the Beatles excited. But I didn't think that that's what he meant when he said that. Well, he <laughs> does she say afterwards. I didn't take it like that. I think it's because he says that the the noise the beetle the Beatles making is his mating call, oh, and that okay. he's excited, so he's trying to make her excited too. But okay, well then I guess that that would make sense yeah. in that context. But still, it doesn't seem like a gross scene or anything like that. Well, she didn't take it that way. I mean, you know. Right. And her comment is just kind of funny. Right. Even though it's coming from like a teenage girl. But yeah. Um, but they just have this really like natural comfortability with each other, I think, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. And I don't know. Donald Pleasance is just like so lovable. You know what I mean? Like, And he, he really is in here, too. This is such a calm role for him. I feel like everything I see him in, you know, I don't know, Escape from New York or Halloween, he's always, like, running around and he's in the middle of some, you know, dilemma. Intense situation. Intense right. Screaming. And- yes. Sweating. And, you know, you know, running around with his trench coat on. And here he's just like this normal, nice guy that's just talking, you know, just, I don't, you just don't see him playing this role too often, I don't think. Right. Yeah. And he goes on to tell her that she can come and visit him anytime, um, you know, and that it would make like an old man's heart glad. And I feel like that used to be a thing. You know what I mean? Like nowadays you can't say stuff like that. We're telling young girls that they can just come visit you where like back in the day, I feel like that used to be normal and not necessarily not that that's necessarily taken out of context because there are creeps. But I think that that used to I used to like go and hang out with my neighbors on my street when I was a little kid all the time. And it was always like cute and innocent. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I don't know. Like not like that anymore. (laughs) Nowadays, uh, I don't think a professor near a girl's school would even put himself in that kind of a situation. You know, where he would invite girls if he was going to spend he'd do it at the school or something, you know, and also girls wouldn't it would be frowned upon to go hang out with the um, professor alone at his house off campus out, out of school hours. You know, I yeah. mean, it, I think people just automatically go there now. Right. So, yeah. So it's like relationships like this can't even really exist anymore. <laughs> right. But, um, but yeah, I used to love that when I was a little kid, you'd have neighbors would be like, you do a couple of chores and I'll make you lunch or something, or give you a little chore money. And mm-hmm. I remember I had a neighbor, it was a Japanese family. And I was just a little kid and I just was like totally like fascinated by them and their culture. And I would come over and there was a young woman who lived there with her baby. And she would tell me like, oh, if you come and teach me English words, I'll teach you a couple Japanese words. And then her parents who lived with her would always make me rice. And I remember being like, how is the rice sticky and stays together like this? I don't understand. Um, you know, so just like stuff like that, that used, that used to be able to occur that like you can't do anymore. 
Uh, but anyway, yeah. so it kind of reminds, it made me have those kinds of sweet feelings. Their relationship. Well, their relationship is definitely one of my favorite things about this movie. I think yeah. it's one of the best things about this movie. So definitely. I did have another question because the professor um, says something about how he's in a wheelchair due to an accident, like later on in the movie. But I don't remember him talking about that because there's a point when he's saying like that something happened to him and it disabled him, but something happened to her and she gained a power out of it when he's trying to like convince her. But I was like, I totally miss that. Did they both like have an accident that happened to them that I don't remember? Or was that only revealed in that one line when he said that? Um, I think it's only that one line because I don't remember. I don't rem- first. I don't remember anything happening to her that you could say, well, that gave you powers. Like what bad right. happened to her? I don't remember anything like that. And I, I mean, we're either. just we're just introduced to him in a wheelchair, and I don't think it even comes up. Uh, okay. Until then, right? I don't. Think I mean, so. I don't think so. But and I mean, it would be like in this movie fitting that they didn't explain anything. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know if we missed something or if we didn't. Um, I guess it doesn't matter either way. <laughs> All right. In the next scene, Jennifer's having an EEG done at the hospital um, and the headmistress is there as long as as displayed in Tammy's screen um, (laughs) for our YouTubers. And uh, the teacher who first took her to the school as well, the one that freaked out over the bee, is there as well. Um, And this is when they're doing those tests and all of a sudden Jennifer is getting memories from seeing that girl that was murdered in front of her that she couldn't remember because she was sleepwalking. And so she kind of has like an image flash and then we see the little the little metal thing drawing. Do you know what this whole contraption is called from <laughs> well, your medical e- expertise? The, no, the needles for the EEG that the read the strip, they call it the strip, yeah. uh, the needles on the strip that go back and forth to show it's normal or, or abnormal. They start going crazy. So thank you. Thank you. That's yeah. You explained it much better than I did. Um, <laughs> And uh, they're bringing her here because she was sleepwalking and fell off the roof and all of that. <laughs> um, and so she's starting to remember that girl was murdered. Um, and then the doctor and the headmistress are asking about her history and if she has a history of epilepsy or schizophrenia or drug use, uh, which I feel like is within their right to ask because they're just trying to figure out what's going on with her. And she gets very offended. Um, and this is one of those instances in her acting where I was going to say <laughs> it's a little it's a little like cheesy and gross. Yeah. You know, she's like it, so offended and huffs and puffs and gets out bad. of there. Yeah, it was, so was kind of it was kind of weird. But it was a little weird, too, though, that they went like 360 on her. Like, I mean, because she said she saw some weird things and was how does sleepwalking get elevated? Like, I mean, I know she almost like hurt herself or whatever, but that wasn't what they were like trying to treat or freaking out about. They're like, you're this close to being practically this close to being schizophrenic. This is where the, you know, do you take drugs and all that? Yeah, that part, that is offensive. Yeah. She just (laughs) got there. Holy cow. You know, like if somebody said that, you know, if a girl, especially a girl of that age is like, I had a bad dream, you're not out 
automatically going to be like, well, we're going to commit you and keep you here. Yeah. You know, I mean, they later, they send the men in the white coats after her. <laughs> like, That's for true. what? You know? It's because um, of the headmistress. Who is she not the most 80s looking woman? If you had to draw <laughs> she a, is. a picture of the 80s. It's her. Like, she's the most 80s-looking person I've ever seen. Absolutely. She's also hot. Yeah, but. she looks like she just walked out of a Robert Palmer music video or something. Totally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but, yeah, so she books it out of the hospital. It gets back to the school where she's trying to contact her dad's agent, Morris, Um and he's the one who had found the school for her and, and booked her a flight and everything. So she's trying to contact him so he can get her the heck out of there. Um, and she For a second, for a second, I'm like, oh, like there's something bigger maybe going on here. Like oh. the fact that he, you know, like maybe like the Suspiria thing with the aunt. Like how did he just happen to pick this one school in the middle of nowhere? And now he's like her only contact. And yeah, yeah I mean, and it ends up, he, he's not. And... Yeah, he's not. I mean, it's nothing like that. But for a minute, I'm like, oh, because he's used that trope in his movies before so i'm like uh oh something bigger's going on here but this movie is not that deep so no <laughs> the movie yeah. never gets that deep that does make me think though just because that's kind of like a conspiratorial thing maybe he has all of these weird different storylines going on to confuse you well then he wrote the master class on that because that <laughs> absolutely worked but you know what or not confuse of, you but like to trick you like like, like look how he did know. it and there's some of that in suspiria and it just doesn't it's not just so weird I, and Suspiria is a weirder movie in ways than this is yeah. but I don't know this just seems so disjointed I guess is the best word I can right you know. for such a long movie there's just too maybe there's just too much introduced but for such yeah. a long movie there's plenty of time to wrap some of this stuff up. right because there's and, like a ton of loose ends a ton and I don't feel like that in Suspiria like even right. if they have red herrings or something everything still felt like way more intentional something is just off about this movie and I, I'm yeah. not sure I, I, I don't know I agree so. um, yes and she runs into Sophie at the school um, and she tells Sophie that she's trying to get out of there and Sophie's asking her why Jennifer is worried that she's going to be sleepwalking uh, and running like straight into the killer in the night which that is understandable Yeah. Um, so yes I would be afraid too um, and then we get this cute little, maybe unnecessary scene, but the scene of the girls in class together and the headmistress calls on Sophie to answer a question. And I mean, it's not a believable scene <laughs> at all. It's like, why can't she see uh, her telling her the answer like right next to her? Yeah, and right. Jennifer's got her head down a little and she's trying to whisper the answer over to Sophie, um, it is just kind of cute and fun or whatever. But you know but. what? I was thinking to me, like, I wish I we could have got just a little bit more of that, a little bit more. Instead yeah. of so much walking around outside, look, staring into space, can I have 10 minutes of some scenes with the girls in the boarding school? That's, that's what I signed up for. That's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? That's true. They don't really, like, utilize the setting all that much. Mm-mm. There's yeah. one scene coming up where the girls kind of taunt her, but we don't get any girl action. No fighting no you know like i don't know like it's very under there's just too much jennifer Connolly exposition for me mm. anyway i i think in a two-hour movie we could have had a little more you know why 
how about the girls being scared because there's a killer? Even when they yeah. talk, like, we hear one roommate bring it up in the most offhanded way. Like, nobody's <laughs> talking about the killer. They're not warning the girls, like, hey, don't go outside. No, but it's just not a thing, yet it's what the whole movie is about. Like, this is right. totally going on. The school should be more upset. Should be The girls should be talking about it, you know. There should be concern. There should be rules. The girls should be on lockdown. They should be trying to figure this out. No, nope. yeah. it's just life just goes on. And I guess Jennifer Conley is going to have to figure this whole thing out through her bug dreams because no one else <laughs> is going to do it. Oh. Right. I know. And since you brought that up, like the girl that got murdered when Jennifer was sleepwalking, like, was she the girl that they said was missing earlier? Like, do they ever find her body? None of that ever comes to light. Well, I guess we're supposed to, at the end, uh, there's a corpse pool, we'll just say. <laughs> and I guess we're just supposed to ultimately decide that's where it looks like about 20 people ended up. I have no idea. But they all have their heads and stuff. Like, there's heads in there. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. But, like, nobody ever talks about that girl (laughs) you know what I mean and I think she went to that school because she ran into the school unless she was just like randomly running into somewhere but no I thought she was a girl from the school for right I don't know why I thought that I guess just from where she was running but she 100% seemed like a girl from in fact all of the girls she's like the same age and everything yeah yeah because well we only ever see the tourist at the beginning which she wouldn't go to the school we know that Mm -hmm. and then we see that girl and then we see the roommate do we ever see any other girls i don't think so but they're anyway they're all of that of that age so if you've got this big there's not like a ton of people in wherever this is so if you've got Mm -hmm. this big girls boarding school there that should be like ground zero (laughs) you know what i mean like the the fact that the police kind of show up towards the end and ask a few questions they should have already been there like this has been going on and just just felt weird how it felt almost like two storylines were going on at the same time yet one was really about nothing and then one was about this killer and it just didn't almost didn't seem like it was happening in the same world that Jennifer yeah. Conley was living during the day. I don't know. It was just really I mean, there's it, there was a lot of unused potential there. I think you yeah. could have had many more kills. Um, there could have just been this atmosphere of terror and fear, but we don't get any of none of that. We get a lot yeah. of following Jennifer Connolly, just following her around. That's so. true. It's like everyone knows that there's a killer, but no one seems like that worried or distressed over it. And they never like talk about any of these girls that we see get killed. Like, well, and, Don- and Donald Pleasance is like, he shouldn't be saying, oh, just come, you know, through the woods and visit me anytime by yourself, teenage girl, when there's this, you know, girl, yeah. or he knows, obviously, because his Greta, right, we think anyway, it's yeah. not a safe thing to do. We don't know that she was killed near there. We just, we don't know that she was killed, whatever. But, I mean, yeah. obviously, she's gone and her belongings are still there. So I assumed she met her demise. Um, and I don't know, it just seemed ha- very Everyone was just very detached from the killer for a movie that's supposed to be about a killer. And I, when yeah. I was reading about it, I heard, saw this was called more like a science fiction movie and not a horror movie, mm-hmm. which I don't know, but 
I mean, all of his other movies just seem much more straight horror to me. And this just seemed to, like, play the horror down. There was some good gross scenes and stuff, but the kills weren't that – we don't get many kills. They're not that great. And I don't know. I just felt like maybe I was wanting more of a horror movie, but there's yeah. just so much that just went unused that I was excited for, I guess. It just didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. I think the horror definitely comes into play like in the last part of the movie. Oh, like, my God. Starting at a very specific point. Um, hello. But yes. then it totally feels like a completely different movie, too. You're just like, what is happening right now? But I guess maybe that I wish that was the movie I got. Yeah. Especially if he For, is like, like most of the part. Hoarding bodies in the basement or whatever. Like, come on, you know, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I just would have liked to have watched a movie where the sporting school is dealing with a killer on the loose. And since our next movie will be Slumber Party, I guess we'll get Slumber Party Massacre. I guess we'll get some of that there. But, I mean, I don't know. This could have been like that, but maybe it's just what, what he, he wasn't going for. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to keep it more childlike. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. All right, I'm done. But, yeah. No, you're fine. <laughs> Yes, but uh, so Sophie tells Jennifer that she'll keep a, an eye on her in the night so that she won't be running into no serial killers. Um, but then, flash forward to night, um, <laughs> we see Jennifer passed out, and Sophie notices a reflective light coming in through their window, uh, and she's being signaled by her boyfriend. So she leaves Jennifer sleeping after she told her she'd keep an eye on her. To go meet with her boyfriend out in the... You know how crazy, girls are. <laughs> yes, the Swiss Transylvanian wind. Um, and they make out, um, of course. And uh, in the middle of their make-out session, he says he has to go join his regiment at dawn, so he's got to go. Um, and leaving her all alone in the middle of the night, outside with in the, the wind. Killer. With the killer. With the killer. Yes. Um, and she tells him, fuck you. <laughs> I mean, okay, obviously he's a soldier of some kind. You escort your escort your lady back to her domicile. Lady. You know what I mean? Come on. Yeah. So, yeah, giant fuck you to that guy. But Yeah, I mean, I thought she was overreacting, except that oh. she's soon going to be murdered. So, apparently she was not overreacting. But why, like, why wasn't she thinking about that? You know, like, well, okay, well, don't just leave me. Yeah, true. But, like... <laughs> You know, at least walk back up there with him. Don't stay in the cemetery or wherever they were all by yourself. Yeah. You know, like, totally. it, even if, even at least walk behind him, even if it is yeah. a giant fuck you, you know, so. <laughs> right. You don't need to prove your point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he ends up leaving her and. Like, at, at the same time, back in the bedroom, we're seeing on TV one of the investigators talking about the missing girl. And I think this must be the one that Jennifer had seen get murdered when she was sleepwalking. Not entirely sure, but I think so. Um, and Sophie starts getting chased by the killer at this point. And so we see that the killer does have some sort of, like, staff spear-like weapon. Um, I think what it is is like a blade that's attached to like a staff. You know what I thought? Like a better look at later, but I think that's kind of what it is, is it right? Is the same thing she used to open the transom window? Because it looked like it. Remember that thing she uses to open the window later and then uses it to um, kind of grab the telephone? It almost looked like a thing that you could like, it looked like the same exact thing that then somebody just screwed that knife end to. Oh, 
I know it what you're is about. in the killer's house. Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. But it, it might was, be. I thought it was. Because it was just a, what would you even call that thing? I guess the song calls it a staff, right? So it looks like this a curtain rod with a, a screw-on <laughs> knife. A blade screwed into <laughs> it. Yeah. It's funny. It's weird. It's really weird. At least it's, it's not unique. A, it, it definitely that. Yes, it's definitely that for sure. That's funny. Um, and so Sophie's being chased by the killer outside. And again, I think she's struggling to run. Correct. Oh <laughs> I was just about to say and, uh, and has forgotten how to run suddenly. Yes. Yes. And at the same time, Jennifer starts to sleepwalk again. And she's seeing that same interior that she had been seeing before that we don't know what this place is or anything. Um, but before she can get too far in her walk, she utilizes a technique that the professor had told her to use, which I don't know how you would do this in this situation, but basically she's just like reasoning with herself and she's reciting, I'm sleeping. I must wake up. Um, and it ends up working. Um, and when she comes to, she notices that Sophie is missing from the bedroom and she gets really worried. And soon after that, we hear poor Sophie screaming outside because she has just been murdered. Sad, sad face. Um, and Jennifer, um, cautiously goes outside to see if she can find her. And I noted that the music is wild in this scene <laughs> and that the music choices in general are all over the place. Yes. Yes. And in this scene, uh, she comes upon a firefly who actually leads her to a glove that's hidden in like a tree or a bush right there. Um, and then it begins to rain. So Jennifer runs back inside. And after she runs back inside, we suddenly hear her scream from her room um, and lights all over the school turn on. And um, but again, no great reaction to I don't know, are, are the are the attention stays just on Jennifer. Like there does not become this thing about like, oh, my God, one of our girls is missing and she's probably murdered by the murderer. Yeah. We just immediately then keep following Jennifer's story. So That's I don't know even... why. It's just weird. Yes, it is weird. Um, and in the next scene, when Jennifer is riding on a cable car to go see the professor, she has like an inner dialogue in her mind, um, like she's writing a letter to her father. And she's saying that the headmistress thinks she's crazy. And the headmistress told the cops not to believe Jennifer um, about the reason why she screamed in the last scene, which is revealed to us right now that she had a vision of Sophie lying dead in the grass through the eyes of an insect, which we can kind of deduce because it's one of those, like you were saying earlier, where you see like the image six times, like what we were taught when we were children that like, this is what a fly sees. Fly, kind right. of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We see the images uh, through that kind of lens. So we're supposed to assume that she was receiving that image from a bug, um, which is cool. I mean, that's like those are little details that I appreciate in the movie. Um, but uh, so she's just kind of talking to herself in her head as she's like writing this letter to her father. And um, she gets to the professor's house and she tells him uh, that a firefly led her to the glove. Um, and she gives him the glove, and it's got maggots on it, which is pretty gross. And um, 
this is after she's finally like revealed the truth to him because she was kind of telling him what happened, but didn't want to tell him like a firefly led me to the gloves. Um, when she does tell him it's all the insects in the house were going crazy. And then all of a sudden they come. And so this is when he tells her that he's pretty sure that she has a special power and that she's able to communicate with insects. And he thinks they were all going nuts because, you know, she was like had a lot of anxiety and that when she was able to actually like tell him the truth and it helped her calm down, that it calmed the other bugs down too. I did Uh like as a man of science, even though he's a man of science, he was totally receptive to her and he did say like it just because we don't know about it. What this is, is science is discovering it. Like you're the first, like, you know, he didn't question her, tell her she's crazy. Like everyone else did. He totally accepted what she was saying. And like I said, even though he's a man of science, he just said, well, then this is just science discovering it. You know, like, yes, that's happening to you. And it's just an undiscovered thing. And he was just as fascinated by her, I thought. And I thought that was uh, sweet, you know. It was. Yeah, it was cool. And he's telling her, like, yeah, you know, it might sound crazy because from, like, a human point of view, being able to do something like that seems supernatural. But in the insect world, being able to communicate kind of telepathically is actually normal for them. Um And this is when I thought he said something about, like, her getting this power because of something that had happened to her. But I don't remember her ever retelling that's unless it's the story of her mother abandoning her when she was eight or something. Oh, know. you know, that's the only thing we, yeah, I mean, but that I would be dumb. That would be dumb. But that's the <laughs> only like traumatic thing we ever find out ever happened to her. And it's certainly not yeah. equal with something that put him in a, in wheelchair. a wheelchair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Jennifer takes a copy of the professor's book that he wrote himself about communicating with insects uh, that he offers her. Um, and then in the next scene, when she arrives back at the girls' school, she's greeted by a group of three girls sticking their tongues out at her and taunting her. <laughs> Jennifer approaches her room to find that the headmistress is talking to a group of girls in there about staying close to her to keep an eye on her. Uh, one of them begins to read a letter that she had written to her father about her having a power over insects and being able to communicate with them. Jennifer, reasonably, angrily snatches the letter back and leaves the room, Uh, but all the girls chase her and taunt her and make insect sounds and chant, we worship you, we worship you, Uh, which is actually kind of funny. (laughs) They're making, like, buzzing sounds out of them. It's just, like, kind of a weird uh, bullying. (laughs) Unique, at least. Yeah. One of the few scenes we get with the girls, so. Yeah. Uh, and actually, this next scene is pretty cool. But um, so she's running away from the girls and then all of a sudden teary eyed, she kind of steps back and the light comes over her, which is a not like a I don't think it's an actual light. I think it's like a metaphorical light or something uh, where she finds this like peace and calm all of a sudden. And then she starts to say out loud, I love you. I love you all. Um And we get some crazy synth music playing, of course. And then we get a bunch of flies that arrive um, and come to the aid of Jennifer and they're covering the school. Um, And it's pretty creepy, like, you know, for all of the normies standing around, seeing all of a sudden these windows just be covered by flies. Um, 
And then Jennifer apparently becomes drained from using her power and slowly slumps down to the ground um, and passes out. So I think I have a trivia about this as well. Let me see. And I think this is in reference to this scene, although I think that there was also some sort of visual effect used having to do with coffee grounds or something. Um, but the flies were real. Um, there was six million of them. And the, Holy the, cow. the windows were specially made with hermetically sealed double glazing. And below there were two boxes with holes in them and the flies had to be coaxed out of the holes, uh, which was not a very easy task, apparently. But I think that there was I saw a different piece of trivia and then I wasn't sure how real it was or if these two things were used together. But this that what I just read was from Dario Argento himself. Um, so, well, <laughs> that makes sense if they're like between two window panes. I'm like, how did yeah. they get them all to go on the windows like that? Exactly. But actually, that's pretty smart. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. And then because everyone's dying for more amateur destroyer fun facts, I have another one for you. (laughs) I am. I am. (laughs) Now, this one's going to make everybody run screaming from me. Um, (laughs) I guess that's okay, though, since I put it in here. Uh, So little baby amateur destroyer thought that she could communicate to insects. Um, especially flies. And my mom used to call me the fly whisperer. Um, because <laughs> oh I would tell them, I would tell them to come to me and then they would just come and land in my hand and let me like slowly open and close my hands without like trying to fly away. And no. I, I'm serious. You can ask my mom. <laughs> All right, weirdo. I'm, you, I'm a fly whisperer. Uh, but I did abuse my power because I started taking the flies and throwing them into spiders' webs. Um, Jessica. I know. But those, I love the spiders. And I guess I love them more than the flies. I'm a bad person. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but, I mean, it, this is what, whenever, I mean, you should have been like, well, maybe I can kill insects. And then you could have had this great entomology career. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like it was okay because I was feeding them to flies and the flies would eat them anyway. I don't know. Not very vegan of me, I admit. No. And then the Ah. flies stopped trusting me. (laughs) Gee, I wonder why. (laughs) I didn't want my spiders to die. I was afraid that because the spiders were in the house that they weren't getting enough food. They're getting, I'm sure they're fine, but I'm sure they appreciated your, they're like, wow, free food. Yeah, right. (laughs) This chick is cool. Oh, my God. Okay, so there you go. This is the worst fun fact ever. Um, (laughs) In the next scene, uh, the headmistress explains that the mental hospital is sending someone to pick up Jennifer and rambles about the Bible and how the devil is the Lord of the Flies. Um, And let's see, the actual quote was, the Bible also refers to the devil as Beelzebub, uh, which means the Lord of the Flies. Look at her, the Lady of the Flies. And I was like, oh, okay, this is she's that kind of lady. Okay, now I know why she's got it out for Jennifer, because I've been kind of wondering, like, why is she such a bitch? <laughs> Jennifer, specifically, I don't understand. Um, and the nurse that the headmistress was telling this to goes and sits down next to Jennifer's bed and crochets until she ends up falling asleep in her chair. And Jennifer was awake, like, hearing them say those things. So she's been laying here kind of pretending to be asleep um, until the nurse passes out. And then Jennifer carefully and quietly removes her IV while glancing over at the nurse and getting out of bed. 
Um, and then she runs into her IV stand. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come, come on. <laughs> I know. And it was funny because I spent a lot of time like watching her slowly pull off the tape and then pull out the needle and put the little cotton swab in the <laughs> yeah. arm. And then she also runs into the IV stand. Uh, you know, she goes then, into this like whole three stooges routine as soon as she gets back. Yeah. She's like running into everything. And yeah, she, she is. Crazy. She just keeps crashing into everything <laughs> and the nurse never wakes up. And I don't know why, but it was just like really funny to watch. Um, and she's packing a few things into her bag and puts on that coat that she had gotten from the professor. And she escapes just in time because we see the car from the mental hospital pull up um, and she escapes. And um, <laughs> that's what I put in the note. Um, and then she heads over to the professor's house and Jennifer's telling the professor about how the headmistress called her diabolical. Uh, and the professor shows Jennifer the larva that he found on the glove and says that they live exclusively off of dead bodies. And the professor deduces that the killer probably likes to keep the remains of the dead bodies close to them. And that's why the larva would appear in their belongings. Uh, the professor provides a sarcophagus fly to Jennifer and tells her to ask him to him, the fly to lead her to the killer. Um, and the professor says that the fly can lead her if she just follows him. So Jennifer says that she'll do it for Sophie. Uh, and I put the killer and the professor says that he wants to bring justice uh, for Greta or Rita or whatever her name was. So the professor sends Jennifer off on the same bus that the first victim rode in on in the opening scene uh, with her fly and his little box and their plan. And he says that he'll contact uh, the detectives that he works with. And so we see her on the bus. And at one point, there's a car that pulls out close behind the bus, um, which I assumed was the detective. Um, but I think they're kind of trying to play it like, oh, maybe it's the killer following her and then they also show a figure at the head of the bus that's in a trench coat and a hat which ends up like never coming up again yeah yeah i think that they're just trying to throw a bunch of stuff like oh which one's the killer who do you think it is yeah uh, <laughs> and then all of a sudden the fly begins to go crazy in his box because he'd been just chilling out the whole time and uh the professor had told her that when he does that that means that they're close to dead bodies so she gets off of that stop, and it's the same one that the Danish tourist had got off at. Um, and Jennifer gets off with her fly and lets him out of his little box so that she can just follow him. And he goes up to the same house that we saw the tourist come upon in the opening. And then funky music starts playing in the background. So sweet, funky music. Um, so inappropriate. I don't understand. Uh, and then we're shown the chains and shackles from before, and the shackles are unlocked and laying on the ground. And she walks around the house to find some creepy old baby dolls under a plastic sheet. There's cobwebs everywhere. And eventually she comes to a shelved wall that's in a closet with some rolled up parchment on the top shelf. And she's trying to reach and grab for it when she falls. And she kind of breaks through the floorboards a little bit when all of a sudden some creepy guy walks in and scares the crap out of her. Uh, questioning why she's there and she's telling him that she's trying to find somebody but he doesn't believe her because the place has been empty for eight months and he grabs her and he like won't let go of her um and we know he's not the killer but still creepy like what let her go what are you doing um Seriously. i'm sure it's just so that we're thinking oh it's the killer 
Um, he ends up being some estate guy that's taking care of the house and it's for sale again. Um, but after all of this, when she finally gets away from him, we follow the fly who goes down through those floorboards that Jennifer had busted. And the fly goes down to reveal a human hand covered in maggots hiding under the floor. Lots of maggots in this movie. There are a lot of maggots. Um, and then next we see one of the detectives come upon the house uh, who was in that car that was following the bus. And um, he talks to the estate guy outside of the house and tries to kind of get a little bit of a history of the house. Um, you know, and he obviously he knew about the house because he was following Jennifer because he had been tipped off by the professor. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> dogs are making strange sounds. Um, where was I? Okay, and then we go back to the professor's house. And Inga is just going nuts outside of the house. It's nighttime. Um, she notices that there's an intruder inside of the house. Yeah. And uh, the professor comes out. He doesn't understand that there's an intruder yet. But Inga is breaking through the window. She's busting that window to get in and save her friend. Um, and he thinks that she's coming down. No, he's coming down on the lift and the intruder is like in front of the front door. And he thinks, what does he even think? Maybe he can't even see the intruder at first. He can't see the intruder. The intruder's kind of bad because this is where he, he shines, like instead of shining a flashlight, he shines that laser pointer, like trying to see he's there. I think he's hearing all the commotion because the intruder's silent, but he's hearing all this commotion from Inga. And Mm -hmm. so I think that he sees something or someone standing there and he probably thinks he he doesn't know Inga's outside. Right. So he I think he he, does because she's like freaking out and breaking the window. How did she get outside? I don't know. I think she just likes to wander around in the woods in the middle of the night and bring strange girls home (laughs) and find scalpels. She's really good. She's really good at that. Yeah. Where's the scalpel now? She needs that scalpel now. Yeah. Um, But um, he does like finally notice that there is a shadowy figure standing in front of the door. And that's when his Scottish accent starts coming out. (laughs) And Inga busts through, but she's too late because the professor gets stabbed in the stomach by the staff blade thing. And the intruder actually like, is controlling the lift somehow as well. So they like stop it and then they have it come forward and they just stab him as he's coming down. Yeah. He like kind of drives or gets driven into the yeah thing. Yeah. It's such a bummer. I can't do anything about that. So I have a question you don't have to, I know we're getting <laughs> yes, to it. But... <laughs> the one with the hand up. <laughs> um, who the heck was this intruder? Oh, who is the person in the trench coat or does the killer? Oh wait, that was a trench coat and a hat too. Yeah. So maybe they were on the bus. What's weird, though, is, like, the professor and the guy that's fixing the house, they, like, all have trench coats on. So I figure it's all just a bunch of red herrings. But when yeah. we ultimately see who the killer is, who the heck is standing there in a hat and a trench coat? Is it the killer? Well. <laughs> right? Because, like. I'm still honestly disguise? not sure if the killer is, like, one person or the other. or The if tall it's person both. or the short person. Exactly. Yes. So I don't know either, but I'm wondering if that was the tall person just dressed up like a man. 
It would have to be. Or is there some other accomplice that we don't know about? Well, that would be dumb. Agreed. But, like, this would be the movie where that would be accepted because why not, right? Yeah. I think it's supposed to be the tall person. Okay. Just in disguise. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. It's not more egregious than Scream 5. No. <laughs> Not many things are, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, and when Inga does finally get in, she's like next to the professor holding his hand while he bleeds out. And she's whining like a dog, which I think like she must have actually that must have been the the actual sound, I'm guessing, of her. And I just didn't realize chimpanzees made that sound. I wrote in my notes that that chimpanzee was the best actor in this whole movie. Yeah, this scene was probably the saddest because yeah. she clearly cares about the professor and he dies. It's at this um, point, though, that the movie starts to get good, I have to say. Like, better. Yeah, anyway. it's going to start picking up. Mm-hmm. Although, is it going to get less confusing? Probably no. not. <laughs> no, not at all. <sighs> and it then it becomes a, a funner ride from here on out, I guess. That's I true. Say. Yeah. Uh, as the killer's driving away, all of a sudden, crazy Inga appears at the top of our screen because she's on top of the car trying to get revenge for the professor. It's <laughs> um, just like out of nowhere. And I guess that this is supposed to be because he pointed at the intruder with the laser pointer. Um, so that would yeah. make it make more sense. Except that after this, we don't see how this scenario ends. We don't see what happens to the killer or the chimp. And they both come back into play at some point later in the movie um but we don't see yeah. like, like did, did we yeah. see that fly off the car or anything maybe and i just no. okay no okay um I think of that till now but no hey okay <laughs> <laughs> another loose end i guess um and then li- if there's any listeners that have like not seen this at this point they've got to be like what the hell are they talking about yeah and maybe there's listeners who have seen this a ton and they can answer all of these like if days if dave z loves this movie i know he does that thing where he rewatches things to like answer all of his unanswered questions let us know dave z <laughs> did we just miss everything um then i put what the motorhead <laughs> i saw that which is playing while they're taking out the professor's dead body. Really inappropriate. I don't understand. <sighs> Love me some Motorhead. I just don't get what it has, why it would fit in the scene. Um, and then um, Jennifer approaches the house as the ambulance is taking his body away. And she gets to see his dead body and it's sad. I don't like it. Um, and we see her run off. And then one of the detectives is at a local mental ward um, all of a sudden asking if anyone has ever broken into the ward before. Um, And the person that he's speaking with that works there says that there is one strange case that fits that bill from 15 years ago. Um, And then we cut to Jennifer, who's finally talking to Morris, her dad's agent on the phone, because she's been uh, unable to reach him up until this point because there was some sort of holiday going on. And so he wasn't like in the office. So she finally gets a hold of Morris and she's telling him he needs to transfer her money so she can get a plane ticket because she's going to get murdered. Um, and she needs to get the frick out. And 
if she could just find one person that would be concerned that people are getting murdered, you know. I know, right? (laughs) Seriously. Um, And then she's sitting around at the bank waiting for the money to get transferred. And we know something funny is going on because, like, it's not there when it's supposed to be. Um, And while she's waiting around for the money to transfer, Inga is at a park where she finds another scalpel in a trash can randomly <laughs> in the middle of the woods. I'm like, why does she keep finding scalpels? I don't know. And are, are we supposed to think these are left by the killer? But we know later they're not, you know. Yeah, like, the killer uses the blade staff thing. I don't yeah. understand what's happening. What um, is happening? What is happening? What is happening? <laughs> there are so many instances in my notes where I just put WTF. I put WTF why there be scalpels everywhere. <laughs> I don't. Um, and then back at the bank, um, all of a sudden, one of the women um, from the school, one of the teachers, the lady with the glasses, uh, arrives at the bank and tells Jennifer that her father's attorney contacted them and asked her to get Jennifer personally um, and to get her a plane ticket and et cetera. Uh, this is where I also thought I, I I don't think by the end I don't think it, but I'm like maybe there's a bigger conspiracy going on here because it's just so hard for Jennifer to get any kind of help. The money's yeah. not arriving. This this lady shows up who shouldn't know where she is. You know I I don't know. I just thought maybe he was in on it somehow, but then we see what happens to him. So I don't think so. But right. or maybe I don't know. Yeah. Well, and what's funny too is so this next part, Jennifer is refusing to go back to the school. Um, understandably, I guess. And so this teacher is like, that's fine. You can just come stay at my place. But what if Jennifer so if wasn't her, opposed? Did her to, plan change right there? Was That's what know, I'm wondering. Yeah. What if Jennifer just went back to the school? Right. Yeah. <laughs> don't, you know, don't, 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 don't think about it. Don't think about it. <laughs> yeah. Just don't think about any of this stuff anymore. Um, okay. So. <laughs> She goes back with this lady. I don't think we even know her name, although I said it earlier. Um, it's Frau she's something. The, that's the, yeah, she's the ex-wife of him that's in, like, all of his – I recognize her. She's in a lot of his yeah. yeah. Exactly. So it's that actress. Um, but this character, we've only really seen, like, a couple of times. She hasn't been, like, a big part of the story at all up until this point. No, but um, we are led to believe, because she does stick up for at the school that one – like, like she's on Jennifer's side. I think like mm-hmm. we believe she's a good person that's there to honestly help Jennifer up until this point I think right we're supposed to have the impression that she's not some like crazy lady and and like the headmistress she <laughs> would go like yeah like it had the headmistress shown up at the bank Jennifer never would have left with her I don't think but I think she exactly. thinks this lady is at least a sympathizer so. right yeah so she ends up going back to her house with her um and when they enter the house, the first thing Jennifer notices is that the mirrors in the house are all covered with blankets. Again, my notes read WTF. <laughs> and then the lady says it's for her sick son who doesn't want to see his reflection. And then she says some weird shit about how she loves him and he changed her life. But he needs to stay in his room with all of his crazy thoughts. And then I put red flag, red flag, red flag. <laughs> This lady just does, like, a total 180 all of a sudden, where, like, she was just kind of, like, a whatever character, nice, I guess, and now she's just saying, like, crazy shit, and she's got, like, that crazy look on her face, where she's like, I'm not pretending anymore, this is really me, I'm a crazy person, Um, 
And then Jennifer notices a shadow of someone coming in through uh, the hallway from one of the rooms. And when she goes into the room to investigate, there's some weird ass boy mannequin chilling on the floor. What's that, that movie? What's that doll movie with the realistic doll a couple years ago? That's what it looked boy? like. Yeah, the boy. Thank you. But what was his name in there? Do you remember? Doesn't he have a name? Oh, like his actual name? Yeah, I don't remember it. I don't remember either. But anyway, that's what this looked like. So it looked really real. I mean, it did look like a kid sitting on the floor at first. So she yeah. thinks. The sun. Right. And then that lady starts making fun of her. Like, are you mocking me? You think that that, this doll is my son? And it's like, I don't think she could tell it was a doll. Right. Did you read the script? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then she says that she can see the fear in Jennifer's eyes and she seems very excited by this for Mm -hmm. some reason. And I put, what the fuck is happening? Very (laughs) confused. And then the lady all of a sudden reaches out and touches Jennifer's forehead. And she's like, oh, you have a fever. Take these pills. And Jennifer's like, I don't have a fever. What? She's like, yeah, you do. Here, take these pills. And then she's like, I'm not going to take these pills. And the lady just, like, goes psycho on her. Take the pills. <laughs> she's like, okay, I'll take the pills, I guess. And then um, she does. And, I'm and like, then she does. Dude. I thought she was just saying that because she was like, well, can I, like, do it myself in the bathroom? In the bathroom, yeah. And I was like, oh, she's going to go flush the pills or something. But no, then she actually takes a pill. Um, And then when she notices maggots on the hand towels and starts feeling sick to her stomach all of a sudden, she's like, oh, I shouldn't have taken that pill. Um, Well, the the maggot whispers to her, poison. Oh, did it? Yeah. I miss that. Yeah, poison. (gasps) That's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I wish that I noticed that that is so funny you have to watch with those <laughs> captions on that's how you know that's great um but yeah so she ends up making herself throw up the pill um and the lady outside can hear that something's afoot outside the door so she's banging on the door and screaming at her Jennifer just lets her in. Yeah. Uh, the lady's like, what's going on in here? Jennifer just like casually walks out and tries to go and find a phone. Um, and the lady comes up from behind her and slaps her outside the back of her head and knocks her to the floor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sammy likes that. Yeah. Oh my it's God. It's all very like confusing and weird and like, I don't know. I'm just so confused. Well, it just ramps up so fast here for no reason. Out of nowhere. And with no warning. Yeah, and it's like Jennifer, who's been, like, very um, cautious and, like, not trusting of anybody except for the professor, basically, for some reason is just kind of, like, acting very casual in this situation until she gets slapped. Well, yeah, but this is where I talked about her being so la, 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 la. She's acting drugged when she's not drugged and just, like, not reacting, you know, like, I don't know. It was, yeah. It was very strange. Um, So she knocks her down to the floor when all of a sudden someone pulls up outside of the house. And then Jennifer tries to scream for help, um, and we realize that it's one of the detectives that just pulled up. So the lady knocks her out with a pan. (laughs) (laughs) Like very casually again. And she just like flips the switch like she does this every day. 
that turns on some crazy mechanism that like puts metal shutters over the outsides of her windows. So Jennifer's locked in. Yeah, it was really weird. It was like a panic room thing. Like she just hits a button and like, phew. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, why didn't that tip off the detective that something weird was happening? Because then we see them walking around outside talking and he's just kind of asking her some basic questions or whatever. But doesn't seem he's like on to her or anything. Well, okay, no, he doesn't. But why did he show up there then? What's he there for? And yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, did he not just notice that the whole house just went into lockdown? Right. You know, it was weird. Yeah, that was weird. Well, I think, I guess maybe he is kind of on to her because he had gone to the mental ward, right? And yeah. so right now he's like talking to her about when she used to work at the mental ward and about like an incident, which like, I don't know if we even fully get what the incident was. Well, it's, did, I thought, well, did she break her, her son? Cause, you know, at this point, we don't know anything about the son. I was thinking, oh, maybe her son was in there and now she's taking him home to take, cause she said it was a break in, right? Like, did she break in yeah. and get the son out? But I don't know. I didn't understand any of that. I didn't really either. No, I think that, like, she worked there and somebody attacked her, I guess, and she has a scar on her chest now from it. Um, so I don't know if, like, she's gone crazy because okay, of the so that her to go crazy? of whatever the incident was. Because I think okay. her son is, like, a little boy. But I'm not really sure because he's also, uh, spoiler alert, deformed. So <laughs> maybe he's not even a little boy. I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be, like, a little boy. Well, when we, we first see him from behind, he looks like he's about seven years old, maybe, right. which then, oh, I don't want to, okay, I'll wait. I won't say it right now. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and we know that when she was attacked, it was, like, through the bars. Yeah. She says something about that, but then that's kind of all that we get from that conversation, because now we flash back to Jennifer, who wakes up inside of the house uh, to a bunch of maggots, and then um, we hear a scream in the not-too-far distance. And then, again, Flash of the Blade by Iron Maiden starts playing. Again, what the fuck? Um, yeah. Why are they playing the same song from earlier? I don't Dude. know, and it's while she's, like, <laughs> she has woken up and she's trying to find a way outside of whatever room she woke right. up in. Right, like which she's, like, disoriented. I don't understand what's happening. And she does a bunch of MacGyvering to try to retrieve a phone um, from a different room. She's like, it's one of those little rectangular windows, like that's above a the tra- door. That's a transom window. That's, transom that's- window. Okay. And she's trying to use the pole thingy that you had mentioned. To, with like that a looks exactly hook. like what they, the killer used. They've been putting the blade in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's trying to, like, grab the phone using this device that she's MacGyvered. And um, when she finally gets, like, a hook on it, there's a terrifying scream all of a sudden that causes her to drop it. Um, And, unfortunately, the phone falls down through some broken floorboards um, under the floor. Um, And then she – I think I missed it, but she must have, like, crawled in through that window, right, to get into that room. She – that she's locked in or to get out of it? To get into that room so that she can go down through the floorboards – so she gets, she eventually, when she drops the phone, she then just like, well, fuck it. I've just got to, you know, she like hoists herself up through the, this is a large transom window. Like she could fit through it. So she like, I don't know. She gets it through it somehow, drops to the floor into this other room that she's mm-hmm. then going to, she's trying to go down this hole to get, 
to get this phone. But did you notice, like, where the phone ends up made no sense whatsoever? Like, I know. It's, like, way down the tunnel. A tunnel that, okay, so it dropped down a hole this way, but the tunnel goes this way. And the phone's way, I know, you. if you're watching on YouTube, you can see this visual. But the phone's, like, way down this, like, horizontal tunnel. Yeah. But it dropped vertically down a tunnel. But now it's, like, way the heck down this, like, Unscathed. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. Like the rest And of ringing. It. And still ringing. <laughs> it's got to have like a hundred foot phone cord on it. That is so crazy. But yeah, she crawls down through this tunnel and she finally gets to the phone. Um, when all of a sudden somebody grabs her from behind. Um, which of course, uh, scares the shit out of her and she's well, and she's doing like she's doing this painfully slow crawling, and when she yeah. gets to the phone, she suddenly forgets how to like pick a phone up off of its receiver. This is an old <laughs> kind of phone, you know, with the receiver, and you got to pick it up and dial. Yeah, like her hands suddenly don't work or whatever. So then, of course, whoever catches up with her and grabs her, yeah, yes, and they pull her into some strange room that we haven't seen, of course. Um, and we realize that it's one of the inspectors, um, and he's like chained up to a wall. Um, but Jennifer caught off guard, falls backwards into a disgusting pit of human remains and maggots in water with floating severed limbs and skulls. Oh, so gross. It's very gross. And she's getting it in her mouth and everything. And so then she's like flopping around for like five minutes, it seems like. Again, again, it's it's very dramatic. Like, yeah, dude, she's just like flipping out. all over the place, it's flopping like, around. And with with her mouth open, she keeps going underwater, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm gonna barf. I'm gonna barf. Yeah, like close your mouth. What are you doing? <laughs> and, and the guy's trying to tell her, like, breath. I'm trying to help you. I want to yeah. help you. I know. Um, she's like, I guess she thinks it's the killer, even though he's chained to the wall, which doesn't make any sense, but. Anyway, she's just freaking out, which I would be freaking out, too. Yeah. I was in a a, a human remain cesspool or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Trivia uh, for the pool of human remains. Water was the basis of this effect, uh, and they warmed up the water a little, and then the surface was covered with a layer of vermiculite. Vermiculite. That's how you say that. Um, which is a natural material similar to sawdust. Oh, I thought it was oatmeal, maybe. That's what kind of what it looked like. <laughs> oh, and they colored it and treated it in other ways to give the impression of a mass of squirming worms. And the finishing touch of putrefied gelatin was made from yogurt, chocolate, and green mint cordial. And then the oh, scene. Oh, so it probably didn't taste so bad when she had it in her mouth. <laughs> right. And then the scene was completed by adding fake human remains, arms and legs, with flesh clinging to them, as well as other parts of the body. Yeah. There's yeah, a little behind the scenes for you. Um, and then all of a sudden, the woman, uh, you know, who owns the house, comes into the room and starts conjuring uh, the most maniacal laughter I've ever heard. <laughs> She's watching Jennifer flop around in the pool. It's so fun. And behind her, behind her, the inspector is breaking his own thumb. He's just like slammed. He is determined. Um, all of a sudden, he's got a fire lit under him because he wants to help Jennifer. And so he breaks his thumb so that he can slip his hand out of the shackle. And it looks realistic. Um, yeah. Like, 
And he wasn't really reacting. He just seems like compelled um, to help. So it still kind of felt believable for some reason. But he, he slips out of the shackle and attacks the lady uh, while Jennifer is crawling out of the gross human remains pool. We're just does. so hoping he was going to push her into the pool, but he doesn't. He, like, pulls yeah. her back and starts strangling her. But I'm right. like, push that bitch in the corpse pool. <laughs> she would have deserved it for yeah. sure. Um, so Jennifer crawls out, and um, the next we see a man who uh, drove to the school is getting back in his car to leave after speaking to one of the women uh, that work there at the boarding school. Um, and we can kind of assume that this is Morris or somebody who works for her father who's coming to look for her. Uh, and Jennifer walks in back at the house. Jennifer walks into a room where there's a little boy crying in the corner of the room. This seems kind of weird because, like, she was just in a corpse pool um, and there's crazy shit going on. And she's like, hey, little boy. It's also, like the way she's doing it, though, is not just in a... Like a comforting way. It just doesn't feel realistic the way that she's saying it. It's weird. Like the tone is all weird. And also, she's just come out of the corpse pool, pool, but her white dress is all white. She's dry. She's fine. Her hair's fine. Like, she oh, what? Well, I didn't like, even notice that. Yeah. That's what I was going to say before. She's been in this white dress this whole time. And now she's in the corpse pool. But when she gets out, she's just fine. Like, not Oof. covered in, in corpse guts. Oh, no, that's a big goof. Yeah. Um. So she's trying to console this little boy who's crying in the corner and she's trying to comfort him and she's walking towards him and she says that she knows his mother was bad, but she wants to help him. And the child turns around to reveal a deformed face with maggots crawling all over it, like crawling out of like the, his mouth and his nostrils and stuff. It's pretty gross. Um. Trivia. This is the. I don't know if you know how to say this because you're a medical expert, but the I would Pateau, say Pateau. Pateau syndrome um, is an actual syndrome, which is caused by a chromosomal abnormality. Um, Trisomy 13 uh, is another name for the syndrome. It's a genetic disorder in which a person has three copies of genetic material from chromosome 13 instead of the usual two copies. Rarely, the extra material may be attached to another chromosome. Translocation. Does any of that j- jargon and stuff make sense to you? <laughs> I, I mean, the jargon does, but um, I... I Obviously, what that translates to is he had like a, just a bunch of extra growths on his face. Like it mm. didn't look like a face, right? It looked kind of like a bunch of like folds of skin, kind of. Yeah. I don't know, just yeah, it's like really hard yeah. to describe, but yeah. it was um, definitely unsettling. That was, not easy. Like it read believable and creepy to me, and very. That was a good moment that got me. I did not see that coming wasn't expecting it because all you see is this little boy crying in the corner there's nothing that gives it away what's going to happen when he turns around so that was cool but like here is where this movie just totally loses me because who was then chained up at the beginning of the movie who was the killer in that other house that was chained up you know what i'm saying you're right, because I had to be like a full-grown person. Mm-hmm. 
And then so are we to believe there is a third person involved in this? Is this kid just deformed and not involved at all? Or has the mom Mm. been dressing up like a guy? I don't know. Was it her attacker? I don't know. I'm so confused. You know, maybe, too, like, just because this is happening, this well, no, because we see the body parts. We don't know for sure she put him there. Maybe she has an older crazy son. I don't know. I don't know. I do not know. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I was, like, researching all of this all day, and I still... I have no idea. I was having fun with the movie at this point, so I didn't care. Right. Like, I was like, woohoo! Stuff <laughs> is happening. Yeah, shit is happening. But I cannot tell you now, after two full watches of this, who killed who? Is the killer even? I, I don't know. Go ahead, keep going. <laughs> well, now yeah, we have like I this do. Jason Voorhees moment in the lake, but mm. there's no way that little kid did all this killing. Right, which is why I think, like, his mom probably helped. I don't know, because I don't even know why she's killing. I don't know why he needs dead well, he's bodies. Like, he's, like, three and a half feet tall. There, Even if he's a grown man, it's just, like, he didn't look midgety. I know that's not a word. He didn't look like a small person. You know how their shape just, you know, he looked yeah. like a normal seven-year-old kid with a deformed right. head. I don't believe that he's been doing all the killing, but if the mom's no. been doing all the killing, why? How? For what? Yeah, why? And like, why? Why does he have maggots crawling on him? Does he eat the human remains? I don't understand. Well, I just thought because well, the killer likes to keep you know that's why there's maggots everywhere on the glove and all that because he likes to keep the dead bodies with him. But why does this kid have maggots on his deformed face? Why isn't he brushing them off? Like, what is yeah. going on? He's not. He's, Literally, he's just, what is going on? Is, he's just in a bedroom. He's not near any dead bodies. There's no Somebody reason. Explain like, this movie to me. He's covered in maggots. I don't. Uh, if, she, if she's the killer, she didn't have any maggots. Right. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Jennifer screams and flees outside <laughs> and into a motorboat. Um, and the little boy runs out soon after and jumps into the boat with her with his little spear weapon in hand. Um, and he sticks it in the gas tank and we get a close up image of his face and we notice his eyes are kind of so shut or something. Yeah. Um, and his monster mouth gnashes and drools with his ununiformed teeth and. and- and his maggots, yes. Um, and then all of a sudden, a horde of flies descend on him to protect Jennifer, which was pretty cool. Um, and the boy is forced out of the boat and into the lake. Jennifer, for some reason, tries to start up the motor, even though the boy stabbed the gas tank. And so the boat <laughs> explodes, and she has to jump into the lake. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Okay. Why did she try to start the motor? Okay. And then maybe, I mean, this was obvious to me. Was this obvious to you? When she was like, underwater, they were like in a pool, right? Okay. I was like, oh, yeah. Like she jumped into a pool. Yeah. Confused again. <laughs> <What is happening? laughs> 
And when she comes up for air, she finds a circle of fire around her on the surface of the water. And underneath the water, the boy, uh, who's even more disfigured now, grabs her leg. And um, <laughs> they're struggling underwater for a while uh, until they both come up and break the surface of the water when the boy is caught on fire and screams to his death. Uh, which is actually a pretty, like, guttural scream. Um, and I guess she just got lucky. She just happened to not touch the fire when she came up for air, I guess. Um, I don't know. Okay. Home stretch. Jennifer swims to the shore and is greeted by a smiling Morris. And they run towards each other with their arms wide open to embrace. And we see Jennifer is so relieved for like two whole seconds yep. when he is suddenly decapitated swiftly by the woman. I still don't have her name uh, because she was like such a non-character. But anyways, uh, who used like a metal sheet in order to she's really like into metal sheets. Now she's the MacGyver. Like, totally. Take anything. <laughs> Which that was a pretty great weapon, though. But man, she's got like ninja skills because she yeah does it real fast one failed swoop of his neck um poor guy his head rolls down it and, got me um, though i did not see that coming either and i was like oh yeah i mean definitely not that specifically a metal sheet decapitating him but like the way that they showed back and forth his face and her face as they're running towards each other i'm like uh-oh yeah, yeah. Is gonna get it um and then uh and then the woman gets Jennifer pinned down in the sand with the metal sheet and she's just kind of like slowly slicing her neck but not decapitating her and she says uh he was diseased but he was my son and you have why didn't I kill you before I killed that no good inspector and your professor friend to protect him and now I'm going to kill you to avenge him why don't you call your insects go on call Cool. And then she is attacked by Inga. <laughs> Out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> Inga just sh shows up and she slices the lady's throat with her scalpel. <laughs> and I put... She finally gets to use her scalpel. <laughs> yes, which the professor had taught her cuts. So I put, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> and it's probably... It's a scalpel she just happened to just find on the ground there, too. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in a crash can or whatever. Um, <laughs> and then the movie ends with Jennifer Connelly petting Inga and Inga whining like a dog again. And she gives Jennifer a kiss on the cheek. Um, and here's some fun trivia. Uh, Jennifer Connelly had part of her finger bitten off by the chimpanzee in the final scene at the what? end of the film. She was rushed to the hospital and the finger was reattached because apparently during one of the scenes, uh, the chimp kept turning around and Dario Argento, uh, not wanting to film her behind, asked Connolly to place her hand on the animal to stop her from turning. But when she attempted to do so, the chimp became enraged and bitter. Inga! Uh, and then she was just like very hostile towards Connolly for the rest of the film. Oh. Well, I know. Isn't that sad? It's like, they seem like they love each other so much. I was, like, totally <laughs> Team Inca, but all right. Well, you probably still are since yeah. you're Jennifer Connelly <laughs> acting so much. 
Um, and my final note, my final note is what did I just watch? Yep. That, Somebody that is the tagline. Somebody <laughs> tell me what the hell just happened, please. I'm so confused. Um, I do have some other little bits of trivia. Um, Dario Argento often cites this film as his personal favorite, which, like, I mean, I've only seen three of his movies, but the other two were much better. Dude, yeah, <laughs> dude. No, no, sir. So, I don't know. No, uh, and the film was inspired after Dario Argento learned that insects are sometimes used during murder investigations, uh, which I can see, like, what they showed in the one of the opening scenes when they're talking to the professor about how he can kind of determine, like, based on the insects and how big they are and yada yada, like, how long the body had been deceased. Um, and that was probably new science at that time. I mean, I think forensics have come a long way, but... Right. We didn't even know the word forensics, I wouldn't say, until like 80s, and then you started getting DNA in the 90s. So it was probably totally pretty- killer. There you go. Because that also gets brought up in the movie. That's the movie we were talking about earlier, everybody, that we can remember the name of. Totally <laughs> killer with Kieran and Shipka. Yep. She tries to give them some DNA from the the scene of the crime, and they're like, what's DNA? Yeah. <laughs> what's forensics or something? So. Well, thank you for remembering the name of my number one movie of the year. You're welcome. (laughs) It'd be be good to know next week. Thanks. (laughs) So funny. Um, See, the trained chimpanzee that plays Inga escaped into the woods at one point during shooting. uh, And after a few hours of searching, she was found and returned to the set. She's a little troublemaker. She's a diva, man. (laughs) Most of the Italian and other non-English speaking actors and actresses actually dub their own voices into English for the USA and UK distribution. All right. So maybe some of what we were talking about before, it could be edited. You're right. It's how it was edited back together, I think. Some of those lapses and stuff. Yeah, probably. Um, in the United States, the film was acquired for distribution by New Line Cinema, who released it on August 30th, 1985, under the alternative title Creepers. And the curated Shutter pick is the um, international 110-minute version from Synapse Films, with 30 minutes of additional footage, uh, which was not featured in the 1986 American release, Creepers. Well, okay, so somebody else was feeling what I was saying. Maybe I should have tried to watch... Creepers and stuff. <laughs> so that is all of my trivia. Tammy, tell me, what did you think of Phenomena? Give me your rating. I promise I won't hate you. You might actually be surprised by my rating. <laughs> so for everything that I had to say bad about it, I mean, it's still... Dario Gento and the last 15 minutes of the movie like are what you watch the whole movie for I just it's this one it's it's so hard to rate because I I don't know what I'm rating like I really honestly don't understand this at all however we just had a three-hour conversation and laughed and like you know (laughs) what I mean like we were like we got something out of this movie so yeah I guess I'm just going to fall right in the middle. I think I would give it like a five. I would say if you're like a completist and you want to see all the Dario Argento movies, maybe see this. 
but it's not a Jalo type movie, so don't go in expecting that. In fact, there's very little Dario Argento stamp on this. I would say other than the the music, for some reason you just like that just tipped me off that it was him, but mm-hmm. it was just really weird. But I'm gonna go with like a five because it's just like I don't have much feels about it. I mean, we had fun with it, and I had fun talking to you about it, but I can't say, oh, that was a great horror movie or a great movie because it was just so disjointed but I still had some kind of fun with it and there was things I did like and didn't like so I'm just gonna cut it in the middle and say a five all right I am actually only giving this a six and a half out of ten um so I'm not that higher above you I think you know, there's obviously some things that I connect with a little more and I think that if I had seen this when I was a kid it probably would have been like a favorite movie of mine. And I think that that kind of goes to, I mean, maybe not, obviously it's not like a clear example of, but you know, I think sometimes when we see movies when we're young and then they're like tens to us when we grow older, it might not be like fair (laughs) that we give them such praise, you know, and it's more about the nostalgia of it. Um, Maybe like maybe house isn't really a 10 out of 10. Maybe I'm wrong. But it is to you. This goes back to what I was saying before, that you are everything. You're a amalgamation of everything that makes you, you know, and you're yeah. you're different now than you were when you were 10 years old. So, you know. But I still feel the same about that movie as I oh, did right. when I was 10 years old. Yeah. yeah. Right. But, so I feel like, I mean, I can't say for sure because I didn't see this as a kid, but I feel like. I would have been totally wowed by this as a kid, you know, and because you would want to this, be her, you know, totally you would be like I want to be her. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Yeah. I love all the insect stuff, but that said, let's see things I like. I mean, I clearly connect with a lot of the characteristics of Jennifer and I really liked her relationship with John McGregor. Um, I love like the fairy tale aspect and kind of feeling throughout of her mm-hmm. with the bugs. Um, and I love bugs, so I just appreciate how the insects are approached lovingly in this film, both from like a story point of view, but as well as behind the scenes, just like that attention to detail. Um, and I love that real insects were used instead of just getting a bunch of terrible special effects. And, um, overall, I think it's really entertaining and bizarre and I've never seen anything else like it. So for better or for worse, it will stand out in my mind and I will remember it, even though I don't know what happened. Um, I don't understand the killer or killer's motivations. Mm-hmm. I feel like I missed something, but I don't know. Hopefully listeners can tell us what I completely missed. Um, I, the listeners, can you tell me who the killer was? That I guess is <laughs> what I'd like to know. First and foremost, yeah. who is the killer in this movie? Yeah. Um, things that I didn't like, I put that the editing was really choppy, especially when it came to the actors doing scenes together. And that there are way too many storylines going on. And it felt like to me that some things were brought up as if they were going to be important, but ended up being nothing. And there were too many threads to follow. Do we really need a strange serial killer with a deformed son who holds on to human remains a forensic entomologist with a chimp companion who remembers everything pointed out to them with a laser pointer <laughs> and a foreigner who can communicate with insects due to a split personality disorder who has a famous actor as a father and was abandoned by her mother as a child. 
It's a lot. And that's so like half, many details. <laughs> that's like half of the plot points. Yes. <laughs> Not even all of them. Right. Um, and I said that I love the music, but none of the choices are actually good or fitting for the scenes that they're played in. Uh, and it does add like a certain kind of charm and strangeness to the movie. But from a technical perspective, I don't think that the score or the soundtrack is handled well. So that's how I feel about that. I agree with everything you said, 100%. But in theory, I thought for sure, like, this movie is going to be right up my alley. I was really excited to watch it, and I just felt very confused. It could have been, and it should have been. It just wasn't, which is weird. Yes, and we saw, I mean, we saw the full version, you know, so, and it's just very confusing still. I don't know what it could have added from the cut version. I just wonder what do they take out because uh, not even the in, any of the information. I was thinking, well, maybe did we see the cut and were some of the things we need to know cut out? But no, we saw the long one. So yeah. what the heck? I don't know. Our monstrous mention this week is Mikey Sirago. Uh, Tammy found his Etsy store online, which is called Buttercreds, where he makes and sells awesome horror movie plushies, as well as some horror movie mugs and a couple of other miscellaneous items. Um, I don't know how he does it, but these plushies are very simple and yet capture <laughs> the character's facial expressions perfectly. It's really astounding. I showed I, my daughter the uh, Death Becomes Her plushie earlier, and I was like, look, doesn't that look exactly like Goldie Hawn? Like, how? <laughs> so I, I've never seen anything like this. It's so simple, yet, I mean, this is a talent, people. Like, seriously. I'll put some, I'll put some pictures of his stuff on our Facebook page, and I'll put some in the YouTube video, too, but... I mean, I just found it on accident when I was looking for pictures to put in the YouTube video for Black Christmas. And I had to show Jessica right. I'm like, look at this. Yes. And that's why I wanted to promote it right away before I forgot, um, you know, while it's fresh on my brain. Because, yeah, she just sent me that one plushie of Jess from Black Christmas, which also captured her expression perfectly. And hers is probably, like, the most simple because a lot of these other plushies have, like, their guts hanging out and such. Um, and hers is just her looking kind of worried. And I'm like, how did he get that worried facial expression so perfectly? But he did. Um, yeah. And some other examples of the plushies in a shop currently include Angela from Sleepaway Camp, complete with penis. Um, Casey from Scream with her guts hanging out. Carrie soaked in blood. Um, and like I had mentioned, Helen from Death Becomes Her with the hole in her stomach. So, so cool. fun. Yeah. He also has some classics like little Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees. Uh, but I find all the lady characters a lot more unique and interesting because of just how spot on all of their facial expressions and characteristics are. His username on Instagram is Gooba Ghoul. Um, and I will, of course, include that in the show notes along with his Etsy shop. So, Mikey, we salute you and your talent. 
For um, sure. For sure. And his Instagram is really cute and fun. And he clearly goes to horror conventions and meets up with the stars like Heather Langenkamp and stuff like that. And um yeah, I don't know. He just seems like a totally cool dude who loves horror. So <laughs> I would say go check him out. Um, and Tammy, can you please take us through our outro? I sure can. So uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Horror Through Her Eyes. Next week, we'll be reviewing my pick, The Slumber Party Massacre from 1981. I told, Je- I told Jessica that I need to just pick something. You know, my brain needs to rest for a week. So, um, so something fun and campy and Silly and wonderful, yes. Uh, so right now, this is currently streaming on Tubi for free, or you can rent it on Prime, Vudu, YouTube, etc. for about $3. Um, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast anywhere where podcasts are found. Join our Horror Through Her Eyes Facebook page. Email us at horrorthroughhereyes at yahoo.com. Follow us on Instagram and threads at horror through her eyes pod with an underscore in between each word. Follow us on TikTok at horror through her eyes pod and follow us on letterbox at horror her eyes. As we bid you farewell, we hope you enjoyed your time with us on horror through her eyes. It's been a blast diving into the depths of dread with you until next time. Remember to live deliciously. 